Hey, this is Jason Metcalf, uh, cover artist for Zenoscope, White Widow, and more. You're listening to the Top 5 po- Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the master disaster, Josh45. What's up? And the second suitor, Tyler Brown. Well, hello there. And CVS. Oh, wait, I'm the second suitor. Okay, That's right. That. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Second suitor. I like that. As he's today, we're doing episode number uh, 165. And this episode's going to be like a DC-flavored episode, uh, mostly because the last couple episodes we did pretty heavy Marvel, so figured we'd swing the pendulum in the other direction. Uh, so we're going to be doing uh, Future State Gotham number one, uh, Suicide Squad number three, then Extraordinary number zero, which Extraordinary is from Titan Comics, so it's our indie for the episode, I guess. Uh, Robin number one and Joker number one, all from uh, DC Comics. Uh, before that, though, you know, a little bit of news? I don't really have much news, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what's in the news? There you go. But I did, like, the Snake Eyes trailer came out, and everybody's been, like, up in arms about it, and the big thing is, is like, oh, he's talking, it's just like, well, it's a prequel movie, so he still has his voice, he hasn't had the accent yet, which, I don't know what they're planning on doing with this reboot, like, Bumblebee-esque version of take on G.I. Joe, like, I don't know, like, me being, like, the G.I. Joe export, like, of the group, I mean... I mean, you know a lot about G.I. Joe. It's a definite prequel, so he's hasn't been... But, like, the weird thing is, is, like, in the G.I. Joe comics, like, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes and Stalker were all in Vietnam together. So, like, that's the original comics. Like, right. Dating stuff. Or, I think it's Vietnam. And then, like, anyway, like, Storm Shadow was saving the day, and, like, there was some sort of explosion, and it damages vocal cords and his face. And so that's why, one, he wears a mask, and two, he can't talk, and becomes a silent master... But Storm Shadow and him are sword brothers, so I don't know what they're going to do in this book, or this movie, I mean. I mean, it's it seems to be like that Storm Shadow is still kind of a bad guy in it, which I don't understand. So we'll have to see where they go with it, but yeah. as far as that goes, like, um, the Storm Shadow costume looks like friggin' garbage again. I, I'm very disappointed in, because I was hoping they were going to do, like, just a straight-up, like proper comic book style like like that like they did with Bumblebee and like make Bumblebee look like Bumblebee and like right. at the end Optimus Prime looked like Optimus Prime and Shockwave like in the flashbacks looked like Shockwave like all the Transformers look just like make the them look really like comic book esque cartoon esque thing and they didn't like they Storm Shadow still has that stupid stupid costume because they've shown the figure already well yeah the figure and, it, and it looks it looks like the Rise of Cobra like Storm Shadow again which is so stupid to me like just it's not that hard. He wears white. Right. Just make him look cool. Like, it's, and like, but they gotta put him in this weird cloak thing, and like, anyway, so, um, yeah. And the only other little bit of piece of news that I had is like, there's a rumor that, uh, Indiana Jones 5, part of it will take place in space, because it's supposed to be 1960s New York is where they're based out of, and so I don't know if like, the space race is gonna be part of it. Maybe there's some sort of th- like, things going on on the moon, maybe. That's interesting. I don't know. Anyway, that's a rumor. Huh, that's cool. I got a couple pieces of things. Um, so Legendary Comics, they announced they're gonna be doing a Young Reader line. This is gonna be Legendary Comics YA. And they've announced the first five books. Uh, I mean, that's, 
that's neat. I guess if you have a young adult reader, then that, I mean, aim for those, I guess. Um, I generally speaking, I feel like most young adult lines do not last long. And like all these are set up like graphic novels, which also I don't necessarily think works great, but they're going to do it and give it a try. So I guess we'll see how that goes. Um, so I mean, there's that. Uh, DC's got a uh, follow-up series to the uh, Batman Second Son they're going to be doing called I Am Batman. Uh, it's going to follow Jace Fox, or Tim, depending on which name you decide to use. And uh, it's going to be about him donning the bat suit and trying to move forward against the uh, magistrate. So uh, the miniseries for him called uh, Second Son is only a four-part. So once that guy ends, this one's going to take over and follow up afterwards. So that, I mean, it should be interesting. I guess we'll see. I mean, so far, the second son's been... It's been interesting. I, I don't necessarily see it lasting as a full-blown series, but I guess we'll see. So if you dig the uh, next Batman, that's where you'll find him next. Um, they are going to be doing a uh, a big event thing called Fear State that's going to f- mostly center around the Batman family and Bat characters. It's a giant crossover thing that's going to connect to Scarecrow. So it... It's kind of leading to maybe what we saw in Future State, where Scarecrow basically was in charge of the prison system. Uh, but it, writer-wise, it's going to be James Tinian. He's the same guy writing Batman. He's the same guy writing Joker. And like At this point, he's got his hands in a bunch of the Bat titles. So as far as an event, at least the pieces we've seen so far look cool. Um, it's supposed to start in August. So it's going to be the, the next like big Batman series, really. I think it looks cool. The couple covers they put out look awesome, and Tinian so far, writer-wise, I feel like he's done good. I mean, some of his names for new characters are a little... I mean, they're not bad, but they follow the old Marvel monarchy where, like, Peter Parker, the first initials are all the same initials. So, Miracle Molly, she's the newest one. J.J. Jameson. Oh, uh, yeah, from from Marvel's old days. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was a whole thing back in the day. Like, I don't really have a problem with that, but... Ultimately, Miracle Molly's name is a little weird considering she's so cyberpunk. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't hate it. I mean, it's fine. But I, I do know some folks are kind of tired of the naming that he's been using. So we'll see. Anyway, I feel like he's been doing awesome. So Tenny, I think, is killing it. Uh, Brown, you got a little news there? I do. I just I just read, uh, according to IGN, uh, the Batgirl movie will be directed by the Bad Boys for Life team. Um, that is, I don't, I'm t- going to try not to butcher their names, uh, Adil L... Arby and Bilal Fala. Oh, okay. So they did the Bad Boys for Life, and then I guess they're also credited as of right now for at least one episode of the Ms. Marvel uh, show. Well, that's cool. Oh, Bad Boys for Life is pretty good. I didn't see it actually. Oh, I, no? I, I hadn't seen it. I haven't watched it yet. Um, but I mean, I love, I love Bad Boys. So I need to get on that. But um, uh, it's exciting to see that project move forward, especially after. Since what 2017 with Josh Whedon? I mean, yeah. it just it just it's been in kind of a development, you know, um, bad, spiral. Yeah, yeah, downward yeah. spiral. Yeah, from from bad to worse. So right. it's good to see that it uh, it uh, we'll see the, the light of day. I think that's cool. Um, as far as like some other stuff, uh, DC's got a couple of projects happening, new projects happening. Um, right. So they're gonna have a new Batman show called Batman Cape Crusader. Oh, is that the J.J. Abrams one? It is. I'm excited so for that. It's J.J. Abrams. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. No, you're good. Yeah, I just get excited. J.J. Abrams, Bruce Tim, and uh, Matt Reeves are gonna be working on it, uh, and it's aiming at HBO Max. So I guess we'll see like what that really means because I mean you look at the Harley Quinn show and it's 
It's definitely not built for kids. And it's animated. Yeah, this is going to be an animated one. Is, so it's a mixture of Bruce, Tim, JJ, and then and then Matt. So. Isn't JJ involved also in the uh, not radio show, but they're doing a Spotify show as well for? Uh, I think so. I think he is. Yeah. Yeah. A Spotify Batman know show. Enough about that, but I think he is. I remember seeing his name attached to it. Makes sense. That's exciting. Uh, they're also going to be following with a Superman show that is aimed at this point at HBO Max and at Cartoon Network. Uh, called My Adventures with Superman. So it's aimed at a younger audience, so not necessarily designed for anything crazy, but as a thing, they got Jimmy Olsen and a few of the other sidekick types listed as characters that are going to show up, and so that should be kind of cool. Um, and they announced the next movie after Long Halloween for the animated movies. Uh, so the next one we're going to have is Long Halloween, with the one that follows after that is supposed to be based off Injustice. Oh, yeah, I did read that. So... Well, you know I'm all about. I love Injustice. Right. Yeah. That'll yeah. be exciting. Well, I mean, it's what Zack Snyder always wanted, so it's fun. It'll be interesting to see how this um, uh, animated universe differs from, because they technically started over. Right. Yeah, it'll be really cool how they, because, I mean, the last one was so well done. It'll be really cool to see what, what they do with this next one, this whole, whole new kind of uh, chapter two or whatever you want to call it of the new versions of all these animated films. Right. Well, yeah, the last one, when they did that end, it was supposed to end that whole universe as far as movies or, or animated movies, I guess. Right, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the... That was uh, Infinite... In, oh, what was it? Oh, gosh. Dark, no, dark, dark, dark Side something. I don't remember. Mm, man, Justice League good. Dark something. Oh, yeah, it was. It was Justice League Dark and then something else attached to it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, though. It was good. I remember watching it. Yeah. It's good stuff. I thought there was some like new like animated Superman show coming too. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, they're gonna be doing one called My Adventures with Superman. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it's it. According to the little write up on it, with a little bit we've seen so far, the the art style is a little more kitty, and it. I mean, the titling is kitty compared to like well Harley Quinn. I guess compared to I don't know Invincible. Which is like pretty brutal. I've only watched the first episode, but I really enjoyed no, but it. If you're talking kitty, like an actual ongoing Superman animated series, like the Bruce Tim one was like super kitty. Oh, that's true, I guess. I mean, the pictures don't look bad. No, but they looked good. Yeah. <laughs> but the storyline. Did you notice that Jimmy Olsen's black? I did. So it's Jimmy Olsen from the uh, Supergirl TV show. Which one? Supergirl's TV show. The, the one. The CW, uh, WCW, one. yeah. What'd you say? She, her Jimmy Olsen was African American. Yeah, but the super what? Super, super girl. girl. Oh, super girl. I thought you were saying super villain. I was like, I don't know what that is. Oh, no. <laughs> you super villain show on CW? What is that? It's like, yeah, the super bill. And I was like, super, no, no, super girl. Super girl. Super bill? Yeah, I was just like, super bill is what I thought you were saying. Like, I was like, smallville, you know? Like, right. So I thought uh, there was like something I didn't know that it was going on because I know that there was a Superman show right. for the CW. And I was like, well, now so it's Superman and, Superman and Lois, right? And I was like, is that what they're calling that new? The Superville Super universe? Oh, okay. Like, and I was like, um, That would make sense, though. I mean, it could. Yeah. I, I coined it here. There you go. There you go. You did it. I mean, it was technically Josh, but... Yep. <laughs> I mean, teamwork. Well, you talk too fast and mumble, and then I don't that's have true. I have bad hearing, so between the two, like that's some, a bad combination. What's so. the Richard Pryor and... Uh, uh, Gene Wilder? Gene Wilder, yeah. Um, you're oh, no evil, see. see no evil. You love that one. You guys are those guys. That's okay. funny. Did you guys ever see that? There's like a meme that floats around it or what? It's like, uh, it, I've seen it different ways, but just like the, the number one movie in the box office, the month and year that you were born or whatever is like how your year is going to play out. Really? Did you see that? Yeah. Uh-uh. I've seen things like that, but not that particular one. But there was like, mine was a Gene Wilder and, um, 
Richard Pryor movie. It was a. Uh, oh, I'm curious. Man, I don't even remember what it was now. It was. I'm trying to think of names of movies, and I I can't remember any. Here in Evil, Seen Evil is the only one I can think of because you said that. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't. They did that's, a ton of them, but I can't did. remember them. Yeah, but that's like the only one my brain can remember now. And I know I, in my head there's images of different movies. I couldn't tell you what any. You of them won't know now. what I'm talking about. I've seen it, but yeah, you won't know what I'm talking about. Um. Let's see, 1986. Um, oh, man. Oh, Top Gun. Bummer. So yours is Top Gun? Yeah. Oh, oh nice. well, it doesn't say February. That's just of 1986. Oh, is it of the year or of the month and month? year? Oh, I don't know. And then sometimes it's weak. So the, there's like oh, a whole, yeah. You have to like do some research. And mine was, it was weird. Oh, because top, top Gun. That's the number one for February 1986. So mine was... Um, CBS, I can do yours, but I don't know if they have numbers for silent films. So I don't think they do. Stir Crazy. Stir Crazy. I do remember that movie. Yeah, yeah. I could have never guessed that, though. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I was like... Oh, okay, yeah. Stir crazy. Yeah, and I was like, that's funny. That's how your year's pretty, supposed to go? Good. I guess, but it was like, num- the so it was something else, like the two weeks or two or three weeks before, then Stir Crazy beat it out that that week or something. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. But I think that for the entire year of 1981, I think Raiders was... That, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That would make Raiders a lot of starts, sense. Yeah. I think. But um, anyway, but yeah. Like, it's got to be. The Stir Crazy, I was like, that's kind of funny because it's kind of my jam, like, Super under the radar, like comedies. Sure. sure. The, Both those guys are hilarious. And those two are both, both genius. Oh, yeah. Stuff. yeah. By far. It's a good one. But I do think that's cool. I mean, JJ and Bruce Tim working together, that should be interesting to see. That is exciting, yeah. So. And if it's anything, just like you said, if it's anything close to um, the Harley Quinn show, I love the Harley Quinn show. I thought it was one of the best things that actually um, the DC app was a DC universe. I thought it was one of DC the best things universe. they did. It's really well done. Um Oh, you know, the only other thing I saw was uh, James Gunn filming um, Peacemaker. Oh, yeah. Peacemaker? Yeah. Is, I guess they've officially started filming that show, which is exciting. Yeah. He, as far as the thing, like he said, that after Guardians of the Galaxy 2, or no, sorry, 3, he might just go to do TV stuff because of that Peacemaker thing. Because he's really enjoying it. That's good. I guess so. That's good. I mean, that's awesome. I, I, as far as Peacemaker's concerned. Oh, here's something that we need to talk about. Huh. Did you guys hear about the merger? Of- I was... Oh, go for it. Do it. Literally, I was just Do gonna, it, because that's important. So AT&T think. announced that the $43 billion deal to merge Warner Media with Discovery. The telecom giant AT&T announced Monday a deal to combine its content unit Warner Media with Discovery, paving the way for one of Hollywood's biggest studios to compete with media giants Netflix and Disney. Under the agreement, AT&T will unwind its $85 billion acquisition of Time Warner, which closed just under three years ago, and form a new media company with Discovery. The deal would create a new business separate from AT&T that would be valued at as much as $150 billion, including debt, according to whatever. Um, at and said it would receive an aggregate amount, this, 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 this. Uh, there's like there was other things that were supposed to be included in this. I'm trying to like zip through this um, business. Well, WB Media is part of it too, the game side, like the video games. Some, 
It's not in here. It, it is, though, because I just listened to a podcast yesterday. There, So some of the titles for the WB games are staying with AT&T, and some of them are going. They haven't mm-hmm. said what yet. A big question was because of all the... Um, uh, backlash that happened with the um, Harry Potter game. That's under the WB um, game side as well. So they're trying to figure out what's going and what's staying. So um, eight. Uh, so it'll include CNN, HBO, Warner Brothers, Discovery, Animal Planet, TLC, CNN. Mm-hmm. CNN was on there. There's a lot. Yeah. I guess my question is: is that so they're merging this portion of what they own with Discovery? Are they? Does that mean Discovery owns it? Well, they're forming a totally new like company. Okay. So it'll be owned by multiple facets or whatever, but it's going to be a brand new like thing. So uh, I understand the film side of it, and I guess I understand, or excuse me, I understand the TV side of it and the streaming side of it. What I didn't understand from the article was the film side of it. Right. Yeah, I don't know where that's going to land. I don't think it's said yet from the from the article that I read, which was very similar to that. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's it doesn't seem like there's a lot of like like hard. Right. It's hard to because they're like they're going to separate them. Eighteen. He's like this is a thing. Right. Let them go off and do their own. It's not. A, it's it's less of a merger and more of a new creation. Right. Like they're gonna like. They're forming a new company. They're going to fizzle out all the old stuff and then make it a new thing, which right. is like kind of kind of like a sidestep to ha- um, avoiding monopoly laws. Pretty much, yeah. Wait, what's amazing is is the 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 money. Like eighty four billion dollars is what they bought it for, and now they're technically merging with Discovery and Discovery. Well, they didn't really buy anything. They're merging. That's an $84 billion merger. No, no, 84 is what they bought it for. I don't think they bought anything. In the beginning, yeah, when they bought rights to... Are you talking about when they bought WB? Yeah, I'm talking about when AT&T bought WB three years ago. Oh, yeah. That's what's interesting is that they've only had these properties for for a little over three years, and all of a sudden they're already kind of, not necessarily cutting cutting the wire, but they're... Cutting their losses and running, but they're they're changing it already. Right. Well, AT and T. Well, I think they're running into some issues that like Disney's going to start running into issues and like in the monopoly aspect of it. Like you can't own all these properties; they have to be separate properties. They can't be like one company can't own that much stuff. Right. Because, but because they own like well, AT and T owns like basic cable companies as well. So it's a monopoly. So it's just like Cox Cable, Warner Brothers Cable. Yeah. So yeah. Like when you or, when you own the like not not you own the company that sets up the this, the cable, the the cable company itself, the programming, the programming, the company that makes the movies. That's a monopoly. So like right. they they have to they're gonna it's it's gonna be a it's they're that's a huge deal. Sure. So it's interesting. I, like I said, I. I hope that it, this is a, a, a again from the film aspect, which I still don't understand, or, or I hope that it changes um, a lot of what their what their plan is for moving forward in the, on the film side. We'll see, and hopefully it comes to what we're talking about, which is that um, they let directors do what they need to do, like it seems like they're doing with James Gunn. Now, my other question is: is what does that mean for comics? That's a good question because there's a lot of talk about. 
that not being printed anymore. Really? Yeah. All that's been digital? going on. That's been going on. It's not really a yeah, lot of talk. It's like a little bit of a talk. Yeah, they've been yeah. saying that for a long time, though. So whether that'll actually change or not, don't know. I mean... It was like one person who used to work at DC Boom. released a statement saying that, like, yeah, you, there won't be any... Comp, like Even Van Skyver made that claim, but he made a bunch of other claims, too, and <laughs> a lot of them come true. Um, he's not the only one that's saying that, like... Um, oh, gosh... The dude that owns Mile High Comics, whose name I know, Chuck Rosansky. So Chuck's been saying a similar thing. Now, granted, how inside connected he really is, don't know. But, I mean, the dude's been in the biz a long time, and he knows a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But Van Skyver, he's been making, like, claims about that for the last couple of years, about as far as AT&T selling the company within a three-year period or whatever. I guess he was right about that, too. They did say, yeah, that was so in the article I, I said this, because that was... One of their arguments for AT&T getting it in the first place was, well, what happens if they take this property and then they sell it three or four years down the line? And now they're like, well, they kind of did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, a few of the things that he's uh, hearkened to, like Nostradamus style, have happened. Does that mean all of them will? I mean, no. No. But, I mean, you know, there's a thing. Sure. So I guess we'll see. Hopefully not. Yeah. Print-wise. But... There's a lot more digital first stuff happening, and so far we've seen most of it return to print like right afterwards. So they did digital first for uh, uh, Milestone Comics, and those are coming out this next week, actually. And they did digital first for a series called Black, Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Red, and it's getting moved into a, like, a graphic novel. So it's not like we haven't had digital first comics already, and there's a batch of stories that are just digital comics on both Marvel and DC side. <laughs> so... As far as, like, that goes, I, it's like they've been pushing that for a minute anyway. I mean, it's been quite a few years, but the weirdest one I ever saw, Marvel made one that was The Punisher Meets Eminem. It's only I a, remember you talking about yeah, that. It's only a digital book. Huh. But, like, it, the fact that it exists is weird. Hmm. Anyway. See, I guess we'll see. But, yeah, that is pretty crazy, the whole giant company blah-da-blah. It's crazy. Anything else? News-wise? Nope. All right. Uh, we're going to move in some books. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Uh, Josh, you want to tell me a story about the future state of Gotham? All right, so we have Future State Gotham, issue number one, um, written by Joshua Williamson and Dennis Culver, and the art is by Giannis Milon Giannis. And this whole entire book is in black and white. Which I'm kind of into because it's a very cyberpunky look, like super. It's kind of like manga style. Like it is, of, yeah, very. Which I thought was cool. Like a lot of the art design is that way. But uh, anyway, so this book is CBS was saying it kind of is the only thing that's left over from the Future State arc, like uh, storylines. Well, it's the only thing still running, yeah. Like, all the other stories for Future State ran either two issues. Well, majority of them ran two issues. Batman's ran four. Batman's ran four. So both the next Batman and Dark Detective ran four. And then Superman and Period Selects ran three. And at this point, all the other books have stopped. Um, the last one that came out was in March, and it was the Imperious Selects issue three. It was like the beginning of March. So as far as Future State, storyline-wise, this is the only book still happening connected to that um, future storyline, I guess. I mean, a bunch of the other books have poised themselves aiming that direction. I mean, like Titans Academy and 
even the stuff going on in Batman is acting like it's leading that direction. But as far as a book actually happening during the future state timeline, this is the only one that's still going on. So this book starts with the cityscape and then it goes directly to the sewers and it says, uh, future state Gotham. And there's a guy, I don't know, sitting on a, a throne of bones and he's got face paint and like war braids and it's very odd. He kind of reminded me of Conan. Did he remind you of Conan? Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure I'm not crazy. King Conan. Yeah, like the like the old school end of the second movie. Yeah, yeah. But he's, but he's hanging out in the sewers, and it just says war is coming. And uh, next we see one of those crazy futuristic like uh, Akira style uh, uh, motorcycles, and uh, it's Jason Todd chasing after the what's that guy's name? The ventriloquist. The vent- yeah, but what's the actual like? Oh, uh, what's his doll's name? Scarface. Scarface. Scarface, like, but it's like a big, like, um... Like a giant mech-style Mech-style Scarface. (laughs) And, um, he crashes his motorcycle into it and does some sort of sweet ninja move, like, with the... I don't even know what those things are called. I always wondered, like, how those things were, like, like, functional, but it was like, it's like a... The stick with the, like, the, like... Sword, like, knife thing sticking off it, but then, like, it has a chain hooked to it, and you like... Yeah, how do those work? Yeah, it just seems... It just seems like a lot of work. Anyway, there's a name for it, and they they don't say it in here. I mean, we could stop and Google it, but... Anyway, he, like, hooks it on the the Tommy gun, and, like, swings around, and, like, gets right right up to the ventriloquist, and and he's like, yeah, he's like, you're not Batman. He's like, well, there is no Batman anymore. He's like, oh, no, and he gets punched in the face. And, uh, taken down, and the, uh, peacekeepers show up, and the peacekeepers are kind of like the new, like, bosses of Gotham. Like, new police force, like, they're a, a like, a, so they, they replace the normal police force as, like, a hired police force. So, like, military pri- private police. to privatized police. But they're, like, yeah. all masked. Oh, yeah. So they're, like, a mix between, like, the police force, a private police force, and masked vigilantes, like, all mixed together. Kind of, yeah. Watchmen, the show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah very Kinda much like, like it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, this pe- peacekeeper shows up. He's like, "Yeah, this wasn't your job." And Jason Todd's like, "Hey, I live right up the street, man. Like, I this is my neighborhood. Like, I just came to help out." And uh, he's like, "You know, there's, there's uh, you only go after masks. You know that the magistrate says that that's the only thing you hire for." He's like, "Man, I just, I just like, I don't want, I don't want to see my neighborhood get messed up." And all of a sudden, there's like. This huge, loud, crazy noise and explosion, and Red Hood swears, and they take off together, him and like the peacekeeper guy, and explosions everywhere. People are trying to run to safety. Like Red Hood's trying to save people, and then the mad, like the peacekeeper's like, "Ah, better save yourself, Hood," because like like he tries to grab somebody, and he, he isn't able to, and uh, basically it just becomes an erase of them who, to get out of like this explosion zone, and uh. As a writing, like the peacekeeper almost doesn't make it. And, uh, Red Hood is like talking to him and he turns around and he's just, he's like, hey, 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 there, peacekeeper. And he turns around and he's like, I'm good, I'm good. He's like, we gotta get, and Red Hood's like, we gotta get in there and help the people. It's cute. You think that they're survivors, Hood, but, uh, I'm getting another drone's eye update from dispatch and it's, it's, it's not good. And he's like, what? And it, it pans out and the city has been 
Um, whatever happened, the explosion created a gigantic crater in the center of Gotham that looks like the bat symbol. Sunk in a lot of city pieces down to make it to, because it's huge. Well, it's massive. It's like, it's probably, I mean, like 40 city blocks. That that is a really cool shot. I, I love that. So, and then there's a bunch of new stuff talking about, like, uh, Batman's dead, and who's this new Batman, and that's a terrorist thing, and what's going on, and Hood, Hood takes off, and he's talking in into an alley, and you don't know who he's talking to, and he's like, the evidence is garbage. I may not know the new guy, but I don't think killing is his style. It's a total setup. He's, and then whoever's in the alley in the dark, you don't ever see him. He's like, my people working on. He's like, I don't care about people. Tell me what you want to know. And basically, it goes down to, he's like, the new Batman did this, Jason. He blew up the Narrows. The evidence is all real, and it's pretty damning. And Jason is like, he's like, then he's done. It's over. Time to bring him in, whatever it takes. And he's like, we can't lose sight of our main objective. We can use this to our advantage in taking down the magistrate if we can implicate him. Or implicate them. And so whoever's talking to him is like, basically, you signed up to go undercover with these people to not only take down what like this new Batman, but also the magistrate. And you said you were going to go as deep as you need to go. So like you said, you would, you would betray everybody to do this. And like, only we know about this, which is pretty, it's pretty heavy, pretty Quinlan Voss, like oh, yeah. going almost pure dark side. Like it was pretty cool. And then uh, next thing is like, you know, all these people chanting death to Batman and he's talking to the O three, uh, peacekeepers. Like, I don't trust you, Jason Todd. But is it my call? And you volunteered and blah, blah, blah. He's like, so this is your job is to take down the new Batman. And like, you bring him to me. And if you don't, you gotta, you gotta sell in Blackgate prison waiting for you, basically. So he's like, like he has to, he has to find and take down this new Batman and keep himself out of prison just to take himself out of prison. Yeah. So he, um, he's having a flashback to his girlfriend, which is a uh, Ravager, which is like his, his, I guess his, his, ex, his girlfriend, his ex girlfriend. They say ex in this, so yeah, at some and, point. And and it shows her, and she says we should go away together. And uh, and then she's like, "Too many, many broken promises, Jason. Don't try to find me." And so he like he kind of like skids to a halt, and he goes up on top of a. It's kind of funny. It's it's a movie theater, and I don't know if it's supposed to be the movie theater that like, but the theater that basically like Batman's you know, theater. The, the, but also on, on the, on the, uh, if you guys, I don't know. If on the guys, marquee. The marquee, this is Batman Forever. Yeah. Right. Kind of funny. So he uses his weird chain hooky thing a jigger and clangs up to the top and he's like, you can knock it off with the ninja crap. I know you're here. And he's like, rooftops are off limits to you. He's like, we always agreed to meet here in emergency. I'd think it, a chunk of the city going boom counts. I just want to talk. Okay. The new kid over, the new kid is in over his head and you know it and, and I know it. And he's like, you don't belong to us, not anymore. And somebody hits him in the back of the head or something. And it's Nightwing. He's like, this is a family meeting. So, like, in the background, I don't know who the person with the, like, as you look at it, it's it's Nightwing right in the middle. And, like, a, a futuristic Nightwing suit, which is really cool. Um, I'm pretty sure that's Tim and, like, right behind, behind him. Is it? I think so. Um, that's Stephanie. Because they show her early on, like in the wanted posters on the cover, right? It's Stephanie has a it says Stephanie Brown, and she's got like something covering eyes, so she lost an eye. 
Yeah, I don't remember the. If they, I don't think they ever explained where that came from because the future state stuff. When you jump forward, there's a lot of pieces that we just never got an actual answer to. I mean, if you you can harken back to the Teen Titans future state where we had Beast Borg, which is Cyborg and Beast Boy mixed together into one being, and like that hasn't happened in the comics, and there's no like explanation. It's just something that happened and we move forward. So yeah, at some point she must have something happen to her face because she's got that bandage or that cover. It's a cover. It's not so, a so she lost an eye, I guess, but then there's somebody in the way background with a huge sword. I don't know who that is. I did, yeah, I didn't catch who that was. Let either. me see the picture because I don't remember. Yeah. I, I mean, it could be Ghostmaker, but he doesn't have the right helmet, so I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> but you know, they're even wearing a helmet because it's so far away. Right. Yeah, they're kind of... But anyway, um, it's a cool book. I mean, I like the anime style. Like, it's it's really like Akira, like Ghost in a Shell, like that, like the eighties, nineties, like manga, like some say manga, I say manga, tomato, tomato, but like this, like the black and white feel. Um, it's hard to do like a lot of emotion and like a lot of action, only black and white to me, and they did a really good job. Um, I don't like Jason Todd; he kind of bugs me. But I liked the story. Um, so I'm curious. I mean, the future state, the whole future state thing to me was neat. I liked it. Like the, the stuff that I did read, I thought was really good. Right. So I, I mean, I really enjoyed this. Um, curious to see what's going on. I don't, I don't know who's talking to him in the shadows. I'm pretty sure it's Bruce. He'd make the most sense, but it's still pretty light. But it could be anybody yeah, at that point. Be. It could be Damien. Yeah. I mean, it could be, I mean, there's a million people it could be because I didn't read all the future state stuff, so I don't know. Yeah, and this don't, particular piece doesn't seem to connect to any of the rest of it. Best I can tell, Saber it being a piece in the same time frame. Unless this is like the early, early, early parts of Future State. Could be. You know, so like... Because like the Nightwing costume is the costume he wears in the Nightwing book. And we have the first meeting of Nightwing and the next Batman, also in issue one of the Nightwing story. So, as a thing, this could predate that and cause the whole meeting with him and Batman... But it was only in the Nightwing book that we saw that piece. So like, but, but it could also be any of those people in that picture. Oh, it's that sure. shot too, just like saying that to him in front of all those other people to say face, like, right? I mean, it, you just don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see where they're going with it. Like to see like how to take down the magistrate and on. I mean, it's it's a cool story. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that was Tim. That is really cool. Oh, yeah, in the backpack That's right there. really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool suit. It's the domino mask that sort of helps you sell it. Yeah. That's pretty much all, because it's so far back that it's not super detailed. Right. But, yeah, Tim also had his own two-part story during a future state. It was a Robin future state. That's why, that's, that's the only reason I assumed it was Tim, because it's like Tim stands different, differently. All the Robins, if you like, if you look at it, and not a lot of people talk about this, and I actually don't know if I've ever, I've only thought this myself, but every Robin has a different, like, posture oh yeah like a pose sure oh yeah and so but but it's like a continue it's dick always stands a certain way damien always stands a certain way you know tim always stands a certain way and you know like jason always stands a certain way they all have a certain pose so when they're even when they're in the bat suit or they're wearing, you know, they're wearing something else. Like you can tell, like supposedly you can always tell because they always are drawn with a certain posture. Hmm. Whether it's like the way that their neck stands, like, like Dick always stands like the biggest very superhero tall. pose. Yeah, very tall. Dick's always very but, tall and kind of hands to the side. 
Even as even as Nightwing, yeah. But Tim like is very similar, but he's more like I, it's just I get I, that's just it's something. No, that, you're right though. Because seeing they all kind of have their own. Jason as Robin is normally kind of hunched over. He's more ar- acrobatic. He's always kind of. And Damien always has like a wider stance, mm-hmm. I guess. And Tim is always more like it's a less aggressive like pose. He's not always so like. In your face, he stands more. He stands more, more relaxed, more upright, and more. Yeah. yeah, you don't like Jason at all. He's this always been my least favorite Man. of the Robins. Jason's my favorite by far. I love Jason. I, I love that book. I, I thought Tim's my favorite by far. And I, I like Tim a lot. I think that's probably why. Sure. I think Tim is. I, they, I think Tim's the greatest Robin, just because he didn't have help from anybody to become Robin. Sure. He's the smartest Robin. There's no doubt about it. Like Bruce, Bruce took on Dick, and Bruce took on Jason. Jason, Jason. and like, and then Damien's obviously his son. So like, he's D- like his DNA is like he's his mom's like Talia Al Ghul. So it's just like he just he's a brilliant like and his grandpa's like Raj Al Ghul. So it's you know the kid's brilliant. Like and we'll get Lineage to that. Wise, yeah, yeah. He talks about that and we'll right. get that. But like, and, he, and he's a cool kid too. They're and they're all cool. Like they're all cool in their own right. But like I've always just had an affinity for Tim because like Tim was just like. This kid off the street who, not off the street, but he was just like, the kid off, off the neighborhood block, and he was just like, um, that's weird, and he like figured, like, his detect, his detective skills are on par with Bruce's. On par with yeah, Bruce compared, right. compared to anybody else, he's the best detective. Yeah. Yeah, between the group of them, they're all kind of broke up to individual parts that they're the best at, and he's definitely the detective for sure. I mean, but, I mean, that, that's a whole like book you could write, right. but like, the postures of the Robins, and like the way sure. that they stand, but also like what personality, what part of Bruce's personality each Robin plays. Right. Like you could do sure. the whole thing. And I could probably, you could, I mean, you got to add Stephanie in there too, because Stephanie sure. was Robin. She was. So, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of that. I mean, but anyway, I just, I thought this was a really cool book. Um, I give it a four out of five altogether. Cool. I, the black and white kind of threw me for a minute. I was like, at first I was like, nah, but as it went on, I, I enjoyed it more. So in the second time going through it, cause I went through it twice, cause there's a lot to it. Cause it's like, there's there's a lot more depth when a book is color, and then once black and white, you have to really like the depth is still there, but you got to take more time with it. You got to be more patient. And like, I really liked what's going on with this book. I'm not sure where they're going with it. It's pretty interesting. I like the real futuristy like manga style to it. Um, it's all got a very cyberpunk feel to it too. Yeah, and there is a backup story in this book we didn't go into. I didn't understand it. Um, I'm gonna say it's weird. Eh. Yeah, as far as a backup, it's weird. It did, it just didn't make any sense to me. I don't know what's going on. So, um, if you understand it and you're listening to this and you're like irritated that we don't understand it, then cool, good on you. But I mean, send us a message. That's the easiest way. I think, I think it's called the, the third. Comment? The third mask. I think it, it was is. called third mask. Yeah, the third mask. Well, I think the concept is that Batman has. Well, the, there's one mask is Batman, one mask is Bruce Wayne. Then there's a third mask. Right. But the story itself, I don't feel like it sells it hard enough for me to understand if the third mask is just an angry Batman. Yeah, yeah. Because isn't he always angry? Yeah, pretty much. But at the end, he says, I'm not Batman. So. Because he's because he's the other mask, whatever the other Batman is. So they're all the same dude. It's like three personalities or three faces of a person. Hmm. So you have your face you show the world, which is the, which would be the Bruce Wayne face. You have the face that is really who you are, which is the Batman. And then you have the other face, which is like, I guess the angry Batman? That's the best I could get from it. And I it's a cool concept, but yeah, it was weird. The rest of the book's awesome though. So just in general, yeah, I give it, I give it a four also. 
Uh, Mr. Brown? I'd probably give it a three out of five. Um, and I love Jason. Jason's definitely my favorite. And I love Red Hood. Um, my, my problem is actually that it's not in color. And the reason why is like, you look at the, the, the front. I don't have a lot of, um, history in manga. Um, but you look at the front of the, the cover of this and it's super detailed and it does have that cyberpunk, um, look to it. And I was really excited to see that. And I think that some of that, detail is lost in that translation from being in color to, to making this kind of black and white panels. And again, I, I, it's a great, it's a great story, but I, I would like to have seen the, the details in that cool cyberpunk kind of thing. Sure. Well, as far as layering, it's a, it's all in texturing. There's a lot what comes from color. So, I mean, I can see what you're saying. Even the bikes, the bikes would have been really cool to see. Oh, sure. And, and again, just like Josh said, that, that Akira style, you know, motorbike would have been really cool to see in, Right, from there, move on to the uh, Suicide Squad number three. This is the uh, 2021. Uh, uh, this guy's current. So, future date? No. Infinite Frontier. That's the thing we're in right now. So, Infinite Frontier Suicide Squad uh, number three. And uh, this guy is uh, written by uh, Robbie Thompson. And uh, the art of them is by Eduardo Pescani- Pescana. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Anyhow, um, so when book first opens up, uh, we're, we're basically seeing a bunch of images that are like saved files on a computer screen, and they're images of Superboy, like old school 80s Superboy with the jacket Metropolis Kid style. 90s. 90s, yeah, 90s. And like we see scenes of him in the leather jacket with the glasses and everything, and then we see scenes of him like when he was with the uh, Teen Titans during his Titans run, and then we see some, ti- some scenes of him when he was wearing just a black t-shirt, so towards the end of his, before his death in the Titans. And we have this whole voiceover going on the whole time that's, uh, I don't know, basically talking about the different time frames these scenes are from. And uh, we see there's a file sitting there. This file is labeled Superboy, of course. And at the very bottom of the page, we have a giant shot of Noct- Nocturna's head. And uh, Nocturne is currently um, one of the members of Suicide Squad, being driven by Amanda Waller. And uh, when we get to the next page, Amanda's shaking her down to find out what she learned about Superboy. And she's like, well, I mean, I asked him the questions you wanted to ask, and she's like, you need to tell me what you know about him, and there's something off. And so, they, basically, we have Amanda shaking down Noc- Nocturna to find out what she learned about Superboy. And all she really does is explain to her that, you know, he feels like something's wrong, and he doesn't necessarily know why he's here, and as a thing, she basically gives her just vague answers that don't tell you anything. And uh, Amanda tells her, well, you need to start playing by my rules a little better, otherwise you're going to lose your head, which is pretty much the same thing she says to everyone. Um, and she dismisses Noctara, Noctara, and we move forward. Um, so after that, she, Noctara goes back in the building, and we join another character who, uh, I don't know her from any, bla- any place else, but, uh, and we join Calibra, who's currently in the process of doing work on her robot hands. And, uh, Calibra, like I, like I said, I don't really know her from much of anything else. Um, she's got robot arms, robot legs, and she's a big girl. She's funny. Uh, when, anyway, the two of them basically start bantering with each other, and, uh, Calibra makes, uh, Noctera aware that she's, uh, hoping for her and Superboy to make themselves a couple. That way she can use her new, uh, moniker of their two names mixed together. So very, uh, think Ben Affleck and, uh, Jennifer Garner was Benifer. Benifer, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, from there we're automatically joined by Peacekeeper, who, uh, you know, he's, he's a pretty angry aggro type guy. And, uh, he tells, uh, Noctera that he wants to see her in the, uh, laundry room. Like th- thirty minutes or something, so uh, he stomps off very like aggressive, like, and uh, that makes Calibra think, "Well, I really hope they don't become a couple. It ruins my name." 
Uh, from there, Cleaver is called to join Amanda Waller. So she goes into the next uh, room with a bunch of different guys watching computer screens. And as they're talking, like, Amanda is putting her in charge of the new, a new element they're adding to the team. And her main job is to make sure that element doesn't kill anybody else on the team. And uh, when we get the reveal who it is, there's a whole, like, page empty with ads in the middle to keep it secret. We see that it's the uh, Talon. Talon. Which is, it's awesome. Man. He's so good. currently, like, completely nuts. And he just says... Who? Yeah. That's so... I thought that was so clever. Very owly. I loved that. And uh, Calibra's like, well, if do I have to keep... You know, if this is going to be my only job, like, how far can he? Can I let him go? And uh, Amanda's like, you just need to keep him alive and keep everybody else alive. Don't let him kill any of the rest of us. And we see there's two bodies on the floor that are uh, agents of the... Uh, not like Task Force X characters, but... Like the people to be manning the... Guards. Guards, yeah. They're, that are both, like, super dead. Uh, from there, we wanted to find out that we're going to move on to a new mission. And uh, Cleaver tells, uh, well, she tells uh, Talon to come with her, and he's like, who? So like, he does basically all he really says. It's it's kind of hilarious. Uh, so we rejoin Peacemaker and uh, Noctera, Noc- Nocturna in uh, the laundry room. He's putting his shirt into the wash, and he's got his shirt off, and she thinks that, that he's called her there for, you know, what do you call that when you're in prison and you get... Conjugal. Conjugal, yes. <laughs> and he's like, no, no. As long as these washing machines are running at the right frequency and the right time, I've set it up to where it blocks out the audio from the room. So Amanda can still watch us, but she can't hear us. And so, of course, he starts the laundry washing his shirt, and then he tells her, or it starts to dry her, and he tells her, uh, I want to know what you know about Superboy, and I want to know what you didn't tell her. And basically she gives him the same kind of answers, except she's a little more, she's a little more forthcoming, and it's like, yeah, Superboy is not right. Something in there is wrong. And Peacekeeper's like, well, don't you worry. If he winds up snapping, I'll take care of him. And uh, as the two of them are talking, Cleaver shows up, and that's where she makes more jokes about the two of them and makes fun of Peacekeeper's name. She calls him, like, what does she call him? Peacebreaker. Peacebreaker, yeah. He's like, it's Peacemaker. Anyway, when they they all leave the laundry room to go meet Amanda to get their assignments, what they're going to do. And uh, he basically tells Nocturna that if Superboy becomes a problem, he'll take care of it, because that's what a real leader does. And off he marches, you know, very peacekeeper, aggro type. He's hilarious, though. Uh, anyway, so from there, we join Peacekeeper meeting Amanda, and he uh, he asks her, this is a kid? And Amanda's like, you just shut up and do what you're told. He's like, well, give me the file. And she explains to him who we're going after. And we're going after a character named Bolt. And Bolt is pretty new school. I mean, she's... Her first appearance was actually in the Future State, the uh, the Teen Titans Future State book. And she's basically a Speed Force... Well, she doesn't actually use Speed Force, I guess, but she's like a... a, a she's a speedster. Yeah, she's, they're saying she's trying to t- tap into the Speed Force. Right. And, like, as Amanda and the Peacemaker basically talk about, like, what options they really have, she makes it pretty clear that she wants... Bolt captured because she wants her on the team because she Bolt made some type of promise to Amanda, and now it's time to collect. But in order to catch her, they're going to have to catch her when she's away from the Titans Tower because the Titans Tower is off limits to the Suicide Squad, probably because of Batman. But uh, it turns out this particular batch of students go out to a movie night at least once a week, and afterwards Bolt goes on a run, and so Amanda's got the timing for them to try to catch her and take her out and. We proceed forward with uh, the plan to capture her. Uh, ultimately, from there, we cut to the movie theater with all the Titans leaving, and we get a whole handful, and they're going home to do homework and 
trying to make decisions what to do. And as they're talking, like, the group of them are like, well, we should hang out some more. We should watch this movie again. And uh, we see Amanda tell Nocturna, Nocturna that she's supposed to influence them with her powers to uh, make them decide to go home. And, like, her power set, from what I remember about her, it was she's like a cat burglar or a thief type. And I guess she has the ability to, like, suggestion like my manipulation slightly influence yeah so like i don't know when that became a thing because i haven't seen a lot of books with her but i don't remember that being a thing back in the day mm-hmm. so it must be something newer um so bolt tells the rest of them well i gotta take my run so I'll, you know i'll catch you guys back at the tower and uh, we see the group of them say well maybe we should see where she sneaks off to let's you want to follow her and then partway through their conversation all of a sudden it turns entirely and they decide to go home to uh do homework and we get a pullback to see that above them on the top of the building, we have Nocturno basically using her powers to force them to make decisions to leave. Um, from there, we cut back to uh, how Amanda's orchestrating the attack on Bolt, and it explains what every person's different stop is supposed to be. And we see Bolt running, and uh, we meet a couple other members of the Suicide Squad. Uh, one of the guy that opens teleports, or te- opens portals to teleport people. And, like, I don't really know him very well, to be honest. They say his name, and they're like, you're the new something or other. Key Master is the character. Key, right, but, key yeah, right. he's, he's supposed to be the new teleporter person. And, like, as a thing, like I said, I don't really, I don't really recognize him mm-hmm. for anything. But his job is to basically open a portal that they can force Bolt through in order to trap her at the Task Force X base, basically. Uh, anyway, we move forward from there. We meet another one of the, uh, the, uh, current, well, the soon-to-be-dead Suicide Squad members. This guy's my favorite. The dude that basically looks like, I don't know, his eyes are all crazy. He's his like, help is, me escape. His name is Branch. Yeah. <laughs> he can talk to plants. And he basically can make plants grow crazy. Yeah. And he is part branch or part, yeah. part tree himself his as well. His hands are like twigs. Tree with- trunks, yeah. <laughs> it's clever. And so, like, Peacemaker's like, well, what's my job supposed to be? And uh, about that time, Superboy shows up. So Superboy's come with them, and there's this whole like sort of face down between the two of them. that's kind of cool, because like aggro wise and like power wise, the two of them be set for each other as far as fight. Um, anyway, so everyone takes off to do their parts of the job, and we have Calibra sitting in the uh, alleyway with the uh, Talon, and uh, Branch makes his little tripwire for. I'm sorry, who? Talon. Who? Yeah, okay. it's funny. <laughs> So, uh, Branch makes his branch to trip her, and the idea is they're supposed to distract her enough that she trips, and falls through the portal, and then they capture her. So it's a pretty simple thing. There's sending a lot of people to do it, though. That's kind of weird. Uh, anyhow, well, partway through this going on, our portal guy decides he's going to open up his own portal, and he's just going to escape. He's out. He doesn't believe that a man will kill him, and, of course, Kaliba tries to stop him, and partway through him opening the portal, as he tries to go through, because he, the branch is like, take me with you. And he's like, oh, there's only big enough for one guy. And as he starts jumping through it, he gets detonated. And in the process of detonating, of course, that alerts Bolt to there being a problem. And uh, kind of ruins the entire capture by their own choices. So if had she not blown up the portal guy, they probably would have caught her. Um, but uh, because of the explosion, Bolt decides he's going to bell in a different direction. And then she winds up faced with Superboy. Uh, which, I mean, that's not going to go well for anyone. Of course, she freaks out for a second, and then here comes Peacekeeper. He's like, let's kill her! And so that turns into, like, a sort of all of them trying to fight her at the same time. But because she's a quick, she's a speedster, she basically just races around all of them, heading back to Titan's Tower, and, like, none of them catch her. 
I mean, Talon tries to cut her with a sword. Kaliba tries to grab her. Branch basically just showers on the ground. Cowers on the ground. Cowers on the ground. Uh, Peacemaker tries to punch her. Superboy tries to punch her. Um, so, like, she winds up getting away from all of them. And, of course, Amanda Waller, we see her at the office, and she's not very happy. Um, now that Bolt's gone, we find out she's raced back to Titan's Tower, because we have a lookout spotting her getting back. So Ghost Peacekeeper's like, let's just go there anyway. And uh, Superboy doesn't like that so much, so that turns the two of them arguing. And, uh, like, Peacekeeper smacks the smacks branch. And the next thing you know, we see, like, Peacekeeper fighting somebody. But the person's all shouted out, and eventually that person uppercuts him right in the face and, like, takes him out. And we pull back to reveal this is the Red X that's there now. And Red X is like, yeah, I'm the new, I'm your new ring leader. Uh, it's time to listen to the Red X. And that's where the book basically closes. After seeing Peacemaker get knocked out. Now Red X is there to lead the Suicide Squad, which is also really crazy. Mm-hmm. Because we still don't know who Red X is. And how he fits into the situation. This particular book is going to continue forward into the Teen Titans Academy number three. So it's a crossover. Um, but we've seen somebody wearing the Red X costume. Yeah, m- multiple times now. At this point, yeah, in a few different books. So like who it is, we still don't really know. And like what his actual in-game is, we also are not really sure about. But at this point, he seems like he's going to help the uh, Suicide Squad. So, I mean, I guess we'll see how that goes. That's crazy they still haven't said who it is. Right? I thought they would have said by now. Well, in the Future State books, the closest we got is to sh- right. shout out version of his head. Because uh, he takes off the mask, uses the dial H, and uh, we never see his face. So, still a good question. That's why it's a secret. Um, as far as like a book, the art's really good. Um, I mean, pacing's pretty decent in it. It's got some funny parts in it, like the banter between the different characters. Um, I like that we got talent in there. I, I like Peacemaker a lot more than I thought I was going to. So, yeah, as far as the score, I mean, I give the book a three and a half. It's put together pretty well. I'm interested to see the continued storyline in the uh, crossover. I really liked this whole, like, setup they've done with both those groups, actually. The Teen Titan stuff's been pretty good. And, uh, the Suicide Squad stuff's been interesting. I still don't know how we get the future state when on Earth 3, which is weird. But, as far as the pacing we're at right now, dig it. I think it's cool. Uh, Mr. Brown, what do you know about the Suicide Squad? It's definitely a four out of five for me. Um, I love I love the art. Um, the the textures off of Peacemaker's helmet is hilarious. Uh, it's really cool. The sorry the the dialogue that Peacemaker has is just so funny. His 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 little quarrels with Amanda Waller. He's like, "That's your plan is to trip the speedster with a branch." Like that's it's which, the simplest it's, thing ever. It is, it, but it, it doesn't work obviously. But his his banter back and forth, and then of course, just like you said, meeting in the laundry room for you know she thinks it's a conjugal, and he's like, no, that's not what we're here for. It's it's really clever. Um, and then of course, I love Talon. Um, I wasn't big on Court Owls when it happened until it finished, and I was like, wow, this is really good. I missed I missed um, the hype because I was like I was like they're doing too much. I remember telling you I was like this right. is this is too much, is too much, and you're like just hang on. And I did, and it was totally worth it. And I love Talon. I think he's great. Um, Branch is hilarious. I, yeah, it's it, it it's what a Suicide Squad should be. Funny, um, well written, uh, paced well, um, really really good art, and then a great um, final panel of a, a big reveal. Right, right. And Robbie Thompson's written a bunch of other books with like younger characters and things too. So he's a decent writer. He's good. Um, Josh, you know anything about Suicide Squad? So the. Teen Titans Academy that we read, like, what, four episodes ago, three episodes ago? Uh, at least two episodes ago, yeah. 
two or three. Is this the same Red X storyline? It is. It's the same character. We've come a couple. We've had one more issue of Titans happen, so we still don't know who it is. Right. But it's the same. Yeah, it's the same guy. Whoever it is wearing the costume, it's the same character. Okay. Um. You know, I really dialogue was good. You know, like like T Brown was saying, like it's it's very crass. Oh yeah. When it comes to like it's you got, know, it's got an interesting humor streak to it. Um, I don't, I didn't know who some of these characters were. Like, I know what's his face is what John Cena is going to be in the movie. Peacemaker. Peacemaker. And then I, I didn't know that this Court of Owls looking guy, I don't, I didn't even know who that was. I think you'd really actually like that book a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a really good, a really great series. I know. First of all, I don't think you know what I like in comic books. Or... That's also true. That's, that's great. That's <laughs> very astute of you, sir. Um, yeah, with talent no. series, I think you probably wouldn't no, like. I'm just, I'm just kidding. And I do like Connor Kent. And that is actually Connor, isn't it? It is. Okay, but he's... So Sim- as, he, as he's shown back up, he's been not only in his original Superman garb from the uh, reign of Superman from the 90s, but he's also... Now he's back in just the t-shirt and jeans from like the... Late two thousand, like the mid to late two thousands, the so. Teen Titans run, yeah, prior prior to the death, yeah, yeah, which they don't, they're not real. As far as the thing, we know there's something wrong with them. What exactly that is, don't know. But I mean, since we're dealing with the old school version of him, it could still be Lex Luthor stuff in his brain. Maybe I mean we got past that for a while, but now that the world's realigned and he's back in it, but did, did we? But was there anything that happened between the Young Justice stuff that was happening that then, when that ended to this now? So like, there's like a big gap. There is. Uh, the only other books were the Future State books, but they were way in the future before all this. So like his timing between where we ended Young Justice and here, there's like a gap there. Because proper Connor was like in like another dimension in Gemworld. He was. And so- like when he came out initially, everything seemed to be normal. Whereas we get to this and yeah, it's... Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what's going on. DC's not known for their, like, yeah, let's just, uh, like, follow a proper storyline and keep a character the same. They're just going to, like, you know, just do uh, whatever they want, whatever they want, and be like, let's just pick this costume and this version of this person, and, like, maybe this will be a thing, and we'll try and tie it into this thing, so. Well, I think that with him being in the group at all, that's got to have something to do with why he's there. Probably not. I'm sure. I'm sure it will. I mean, oh. just like Red X, I haven't said who that is. I'd, I'd be I'd be willing to pay seven dollars and that never comes to fruition. <laughs> okay, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So you heard it here first. Seven dollars. <laughs> um, I liked the art a lot, but I because there's so many questions, I give it like a two and a half. Okay. Well. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on to uh, extraordinary, Mr. Brown. This is from Titan Comics. Want to tell us a story about the extraordinary? Sure. Um, this is extraordinary, or according to the inner um, first page here, or EO. Um, this is written by V.E. Schwab. Uh, artist is Enid Balam. And colorist is Jordi Eschun. Does that sound right? Eschun? Sounds right. Eschun. Um, before we go any further, I, I just realized here in the back that they had a really interesting little blurb about uh, V.E. Schwab here. Um uh, number one New York Times bestseller, USA and Indie bestseller author, and more than a dozen of other books, including Vicious, uh, Shades of Magic series, and The Savage Song. I thought that was pretty interesting that, um, definitely a, uh, um, a writer before anything else. Not obviously a novelist. Right, right. Yeah. This is a, adapted by for, uh, 
for a novel. There's a few different people that have done this kind of stuff and bridged between those type of accolades or style, too. So, like, it's cool. And, like, Titans had a few different books that are things that have been, I guess, like, maybe translated or converted or I don't know how you can say that. But, yeah, like, as a thing, converted it's cool. Works. Yeah, converted yeah, converted. Works. Sure. Um, right here in the front, we have a welcome to Extraordinary, Extraordinary or EO, a person who has survived a near-death experience and returned with superpowers. These powers are the product not only of how the person nearly died, but their final thoughts at the moment of death. Incredibly rare and potentially dangerous to themselves and others. Few people know about the existence of Extraordinaries, and the organization called EON is determined to keep it that way. Um, to precursor this again, the uh, Titan, uh, comics, this is a zero zero. So an issue zero. So we, this is to precursor everything that is, that is to come. Right. And it's a little bit shorter because of that too. I mean, it's a, it is. it's a dollar book. So if you folks see it and dig it, it's not that expensive and the art is great. Um, so we open on a young lady, um, in the classroom. Uh, she's taking notes. They're talking about an English lesson and verbs. Um, her inner monologue goes on to talk about how she used to think about death a lot, um, how it kind of bothered her, and then um, she kind of couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, we move to her getting on the bus and still kind of talking, you know, keep thinking of death and how it kept her up at night, um, so on and so forth. It starts raining um, on the bus, and then she says that something that was very therapeutic to her was listening to music. Um, so she starts listening to music. Um, all these kids on the bus are throwing paper back and forth to each other, and she's kind of in her own world with this really, really bad um, band. It sounds like a really poorly written Blink-182 song, honestly. <laughs> it sounds really bad. I like Blink-182, but it, it sounds really bad. Um, and um, she had gone to a therapist, um, and this this music had kind of, kind of helped her. Um, the bus continues um, mo- moving through um, the rain, and you kind of see this kind of bump, um, she kind of lifts off her seat, and then it change, turns turns the page, excuse me, and a semi hits this bus, just broadsides um, this bus full of all these kids, and there's this huge crash. Um, she's then talking about what's happening, and again, her inner, inner monologue, talking about you know her thoughts during this, um, and it was there just then um, that she started to understand a little bit more about death, um, and that it was a one-way street, no coming back. So obviously she was in in the accident on the bus and she wakes up and she's in the hospital. Um, you see a bunch of flat lines and then two um, heartbeat lines, uh, EKG, moving up. Um, she's speaking to a doctor um, and her family is at her side. Um, and he says, you suffered a cranial bleed as well as internal damage, broken ribs and a, and a couple other things. He says, honestly, it's a miracle that you're still alive at this point. Um, she kind of, again, in her, in her monologue, it doesn't feel like a miracle. Um, I'm one of the lucky ones. Obviously, some other people had passed away, unfortunately, in this, um, in this school bus accident. Um, she just says, what about my eyes? And he says, oh, yes, you mentioned some after images. Um, she then looks up to the doctor, and she's like, after images, what are those? And she sees in the reflection of these doctor's eyeglasses, um, Basically, a, a, a him laying over in a pool of blood, um, and it's obviously how he how he is is, is going to pass. Um, she kind of kind of frantically looks around. She looks at her mother. Her mother's drinking um, 
out of out of a glass, and she sees again another you know image of her mother there lying in a pool of blood or vomit possibly, um, and then her father is behind a window in the hospital, and she sees a picture of him as an old man lying in bed, um, obviously had passed away, um, and they say your brain uh, misfiring, and it could you know kind of just do that. She freaks out and she starts yelling. And yelling and yelling. Um, we find out now that her name is Charlotte. Um, and she is screaming, running through the hospital, running through the hospital. I need air. I need air. I need to, I need to get out of here. Um, she <laughs> unfortunately bumps into a security guard or a police officer and he has all these, um, papers and coffee. Um, she's still freaking out and she tries to help him pick up these papers and this coffee. And in the reflection of the coffee, she sees this officer or security guard gunned down in the street and how he has, um, going to obviously meet his maker right um so he the officer says you okay you look like you saw a ghost and she starts to kind of understand i think what's going on she's not exactly it's just and he's like just what and she's like sorry about the coffee and she she moves on um she goes it's not real it's not real it's just a brain you know your brain pl- playing playing tricks on you um just then, again, she's still in the hospital in the ER. She's obviously next to the ER door, and you hear a crash cart. You hear, you know, this person who um, obviously needs assistance. Um, they bring in another officer who's been shot. He's been wounded, um, and she sees flashes, just tons of what looks to be a police firefight. It does. Um, just it just carnage, really, really, really bad. And she's saying, no, 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 this can't be, this can't be, this can't be. She walks into the women's restroom, turns off the lights, and just kind of tries to get her cool. Um, and there's mirrors, obviously, in the bathroom there. And she looks up into the mirror, and there is another man. Um, again, she's seeing it like she's seeing all these deaths, but it's a man, and she's like, who are you? Who are you? I don't... She doesn't quite understand who that person is, but he's not dead. He's alive, and he seems to be trying to communicate with her of some of some sort. Looks like he's reaching for her from the mirror. Exactly. And that's where the book ends. Again, it's really short, but I really liked this. Um, I think I stole CBS book you wanted to talk about tonight because it's um, really well done. The art is incredible. Um, story, pacing, everything's really well done. Again, a little short for a dollar. I mean, it's absolutely worth it. And this would be something that I would love to to continue reading um, and kind of see what 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 becomes of, of this whole thing. Um yeah, really, really well done. I'd, I'd give it a four out of five for sure. No doubt about it. Cool. Um, yeah, it's a mini series. As far as the series, I want to say it's a five. Well, if you count the zeros, it's a six part. So it's not, it's not super, super long. So I'm sure whatever originally started out as a story has just been translated, which is awesome. Um, as far as score, Josh, what do you, what do you know about the extraordinary? Uh, I'd probably go to, f- I mean, I'd probably go to four. I mean, it's hard to tell, like, very cool idea. Um, I'm a big indie fan, so, like, I'm, I'm always, like, super interested to see where these things go, but sometimes after, like, the first issue, they fizzle out real bad. So, like, I'm always, like, real hesitant on giving a really high score on, on issue number one on indie, especially on a smaller label like this, but like, I really like this idea. It's really neat. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure where they're going to go with it. Like, it could be so huge and such a bigger thing. Um, pretty cool. So, and the art was consistent. 
that's the other thing too with like a lot of indies like you know like the cover's super badass but like this cover this cover's really badass but, but then the the, the ends you know the interiors are just like man but like it's just it's very just well done completely like all the way through yeah, it's across a, the board, it's solid. It's a solid four, and I, I'd give it a higher rating if, like, if if the you know the miniseries ends up being like really, really good and like finishes off, it just it just pay off in any amount. I'd almost give it a five. Like, it's real. It's really it, it has a potential to be fantastic, and I'm just I'm, but it also has a potential to just be like, you know. So that's that's my that's always my worry. It's like you, it's riding that razor's edge right now. So sure. As far as score, yeah, I give it a four as well. I mean, the art, like you said, is solid. It's really good art. Like, the character's got a cool, like, dynamic. And, yeah, I mean, she's got all of her, like, high school whatever going on. But it's really pretty cool. And the whole guy in the mirror, it it, it does lend to the idea that if he sees her, like, what does that mean? Like, crazy. Uh, so as far as series, I think the reason they did the zero the way it is and for as far as the release is concerned, is more so to get this name in front of people. Because so, if you see it in a, in a store, the cover's awesome. And as far as like the idea, I I don't know this particular author from anything. This is VP Schwab. VE Schwab. Schwab. I don't necessarily know that name at all. Now I'm sure if you're like a, a avid book reader, then you've probably encountered this person before, like normal books. But uh, I think probably why they did this year ish the way they did it is just to entice people. Build hype, yeah. So the same rate, same way they do a dollar issue when trades are coming out for things. It makes me interested to see how they make um, issue one kind of um, origin wise explain what's going on. Sure. I'm really interested to that, in that. I, until issue one comes out, I kind of wonder if it'll just be a thing where they they give it to you in dialogue. Sure. So maybe what we get to read in this I, book. I don't think that. The guy in the mirror sees her. You don't think so? No, I think because it's it's all a vision of through the person's eyes, and I think that like she's looking through her own eyes at her own death, and so potentially the one that caused that would make sense because she's looking at a mirror. Whoever that person is is looking like like she's looking at at her body or whatever through her own eyes at this person as he's getting ready to do something to her. How she would okay? he, He doesn't see her. I don't think. Okay. That's the way that not, I, not through the mirror at least. That well. makes a lot that makes a lot more sense though looking into a mirror and seeing her own demise. That's really cool. I didn't I didn't think of it that way. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because everything else she sees is like the last minutes of everyone else's life. So that's her last minutes of her life. Right, and a mirror would be from her own eyes. Yep. Very astute of you, sir. Cool stuff. Very cool. I really enjoyed it. And again, I like again I can't I can't talk enough about about the art. This was definitely um, oh, yeah, it's a good looking book. Really good looking book. Yeah. For a dollar, go pick it up. All right, want to move on to the uh, Robin number one? Josh, want to tell me a story about Damien? Oh, I'm doing Robin. All right, Robin number one. This is written by Joshua Williamson, which is weird because I also did the other book. Um, oh yeah, Future that- State Gotham. <laughs> he is co-writing on that one. Yes. Mr. Williamson, he writes. He actually writes a whole handful of things, and he is awesome. So good, right? So, and the artist is Gleb Mel- Melnikov. This book starts first of all, start to finish. The art in this book is one of the better. Um, I don't know who Gleb Melnikov is. 
I don't know if I've ever heard the name before. But the Artemis book is super good. It is so good. Yeah, it's amazing. I was like, I was dumbstruck. I mean, like, very rarely I'm like, okay, okay. It's extremely detailed. It reminds me of, and this is, this is big words, but, and I only say this because he hasn't done anything except make video games, but early X-Men Joe Mad stuff when you were like, who is this guy drawing X-Men? Like, every issue is just so good. Like, it's just like, he has his own style. Every character just looks fantastic. It's just like it's got its own feel to it. That's how I feel about the art in this book. Like I was like, okay, all right, into it. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. It really is good. And if, Joe Matarera, if you know what I'm talking about, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, and you still know what I'm talking about, you're not missing anything. He hasn't done anything worth a crap. For oh, that. that's not true. He's, well, he hasn't anything new. Just video not games lately. Now? That's all he's done. Really? He does yeah. covers every once. Has he even done a cover? Uh, not super lately, but he did do a batch of the interiors and covers for Inhuman when it was happening over at Marvel. Mm. But that has been like, I don't know, three or four years. He, he did, he did interiors. Uh huh. Yeah, the first, uh, I'm gonna say the first four issues he did interiors. At least the first four. He might have done the first five. But at least the first four. And then, uh, Are the humans a, that tied into the show? It, or was it its own no. thing? It was its own thing. Okay. No. Yeah, it was its own I, thing. I have to see proof on this. I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> oh, oh, that's 100% real. Ryan Stegman took you. over afterwards, who is also fantastic. But, uh, yeah, Joe did the beginning of it. And then, uh, Ryan took over trying to keep the boat afloat over there. Ultimately, Inhumans ended kind of short, but, or not Inhumans. It was just called Inhuman. Mm. Singularly. We had a character called the Reader, who is the main character in the book. He can see through the eyes of his companion dog. Yeah, it was interesting. It's good stuff. Uh, he also did a, and this is not gonna sound good for him, but, so he was supposed to have the second story arc of Avenging Spider-Man. Now this is deeper, this is like seven years ago probably, maybe at, at least seven. And, uh, it was supposed to be a story that was basically Spider-Man team up was what was happening. But Avenging, the second storyline was supposed to be a Wolverine Spider-Man team up. And, uh, when we got to the actual release of the second story arc, it was a Hawkeye Spider-Man team-up, and it was not Joe Matarera. Hmm. Um, eventually, we had a different series start a couple of years later called Savage Wolverine. Eventually, they reused that art for, like, I don't know, the third storyline, I guess? In Savage Wolverine, uh, which it turned out to be a Elektra Spider-Man and Wolverine storyline. So it did eventually get printed. It just took, like, an extra three years later for it to be used. And in a totally different book. But yeah, he did the, uh, he did the inhuman stuff at the very beginning. And, uh, yeah. Ultimately, Ryan Stegman finished out the series, but Stegman's also a fantastic artist. Not that that changes anything. Not to change the subject, but every one of these books has, well, because obviously they're all DC, but they all are pushing that Snyder cut on the front of the oh, inner yeah. cover. Every single one of them. Well, it's the right month for it. Pushing that Snyder cut. So Joe Mad sucks. I mean, regardless of what anybody says, like the guy's a brilliant artist, but he just can't finish a project. Supposedly we're getting a uh, Battle Chasers number ten. Oh no, ongoing, but by somebody else. Aren't but at least number ten, right? At least number ten. It's weird that he like he couldn't just finish his own book. You're not the only one that feels that way, man. There's a whole sea of us. Like a lot of guys in the industry feel that way too. It's pretty just like, dude, just finish your book. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. That says, it's yeah. been 20 years. I know. Because he's making that video game money. But he's, I mean, he did yes. like, he did a, um, crap, 
uh, Kickstarter. Kickstarter, and it's just like a battle chasers video game, and if you you crowdfund this whole this video game, you get like all finished battle chasers number ten, and you get it. But he's not doing the art in it, mm. so just like. He could have just done that to begin with, been like, hey, this is what I want the story to be. You draw it instead of me. See you later. <laughs> yeah. And But instead he's like 20 years, it's just like, such an idiot. Anyway, but when he first came on the scene, he was brilliant. And the art I see in this reminds me of that. It's like, it's, it's on a, it's really, really good. And so anyway, so it starts out with, uh. Batman, so Batman's dialogue. He's like, I could see it in his eyes the moment we met. It was like looking in a mirror. Ever since his mother brought him to me, it was clear he was going to be a handful. And then it's uh, Batman and Damien. He's just like, calling him entitled would have been an understatement to the role of Robin to taking life, and he never questioned that he'd one day be Batman. He's as strong as he's stubborn, and there's no doubt in my mind that Damien can take care of himself. But that doesn't mean he should have to. And he's like, report in. He's like, uh, nothing Titans Tower. It's like, it's Tim, it's Dick, it's Oracle, it's, uh, Stephanie, it's, and it's, uh, what's, what's she called now? She used to be Batgirl. Uh, Cassandra. Black Bat. Cassandra. It's just Black Bat now. Yeah, Black Bat. That's a dumb name. Um, wasn't she orphan for a little while? Oh, she's orphan now. I thought That's she was right. orphan. Yeah. She's orphan okay. now. That's right. Black yeah. Bat is prior to yeah. the uh, Robin Eternal, Batman Robin Eternal. She's currently orphan. That's, That's right. right. She was Batgirl for a long time, and she was the coolest Batgirl. Such a rad character. Cassandra? Cassandra King. Yeah. She's the great. coolest yeah. character. She's, she's the coolest Batgirl for sure. How she like was not spoken to as a child, and Kane only raised her with martial arts, and so that's the way she speaks is through martial arts, and that's why she's so awesome. She's the coolest costume for sure. Batgirl. Oh, oh yeah, oh, so oh so for cool. sure. But like so. the fact that she like her first language not uh, is martial arts, like is right. fighting, and Kane raised and like it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's awesome. Like she's yeah she's a fantastic character. At least she's back in the in the mythos because for a while she kind of wasn't. Yeah, for a minute during New Fifty Two, not neither her. Yeah, or New Fifty Two ruined a lot of cool things. Ultimately, we're bringing back. It's fine now. It started a lot of cool things too. Okay. What did it start That's that was true. cooler than Cassandra Kane? The Watchmen tie-in was awesome, man. That's so cool. As a person who loves Watchmen, and you don't. No, <laughs> Court, Court of Owls is really good. Court of Owls also New Fifty Two. Yeah. yeah. Really good. A lot of Jim Lee there too. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so Tim Tim Drake was ruined by it. I mean, we have fixed him though, so it's fine. Yeah. Since, since, since Superman then. was literally ruined by it. Isn't Blackest um, Night technically New Fifty Two as well? No, no, it's not. It's pre New Fifty Two. Oh, it's pre. Okay. Yeah. The whole reason Green Lantern didn't restart is because of Black Knight being so awesome, though. So. Okay. But yeah, I know it's a it's a prequel to. Yeah, there's things in New 52 that are wrong, but there's a lot, lot of things. things. Right. A lot of things that are really cool, though. There's still things that are really good, too. Just because they happened during the same time. What's up? Yeah. Why do you hate Watchmen so much? I know. It's just not as fantastic as you think it is. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. Why does it need to be in the DC multiverse? Why does it? Why Why is it? Why can't I mean, it just be its own thing and be done with? Like, like it was meant to be. Because it's that good. That's what it was meant to be, though. No, I agree, and I think that Alan Moore would say the same thing. But those characters have so much depth and so much influence on 
I, I, for me as a reader, I thought it was really, really good to bring them into the new 52. Yeah, whatever. I mean, but you ruin all these other things just to bring that into it. You could have brought that in regardless. But it's fixed, it's fixed in the end, so that's okay. Eh, kinda. No, at this point, we're. Yeah, at this point, at this point, everything. Tim's not fully fixed. Yeah, he is. At this point, the way he behaves is much, is like regular Tim. Like the old stories. Him and his, the, the, him and his relationship with his dad isn't fixed. Well, it's because his dad's dead. His dad died. Yeah, but not in, not currently. In the current stories, I'm yeah, it's sure not the way that it's yeah. not the way that it was, where his dad was murdered and all that stuff. Yeah, no, it is now. Now, now it is now. now yeah, they yeah. brought all that back. Yes. yes, that's what all the end of the uh, death metal yeah. led to the infinite uh, frontier, which is where we're at now. Infinite frontier. All those stories are now recanon. Okay. Yeah, I know it's it's weird. DC used to be my favorite. It's so crazy, <laughs> man. So anyway, he's looking for Damien. Right. Damien's off radar. Everybody's like, even Oracle. So Oracle's Oracle again. She's well, not. She's not teenage Batgirl anymore. Well, they no. She's 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 still able to be Batgirl. They actually explain that as in her spine was fixed by uh, technology, which initially New Fifty Two didn't do that at all. Mm-mm. She is elected at this point to step back and take the role of Oracle again because she feels like at this point she can do the most good that way, especially with no Alfred around. But she's not an adult. Is she still? Is she a teenager again, though? No, she's an adult. Yeah, the whole teenager burns Burnside stuff. Yeah, terrible. She's back to being normal, like age wise and everything. That so. was a New Fifty Two thing, by the way. It, it was a second stream of New Fifty Two nonsense. Doesn't matter. Don't liked. don't you don't you do that. The first thirty six <laughs> issues are fine. Don't you do that. The first thirty six issues are fine. Don't you do that. That's true. The first thirty six. It's are great. New Fifty Two. It's a garbage nah, piece of New Fifty Two. Nah, admit it. No, that piece, yes. But all of New 52, no. The beginning of the Batgirl series... There's so many. There's so much more bad 30, than good. The first 36 issues were great. There's so much more That's bad than true. good. That's not true. That's not true. Their things are bad, yes. But okay. there's not more bad than good. There was more bad than good. No. Okay. Just because they've currently fixed it doesn't mean that it still not, no, wasn't bad. No, even during the time... It was still really... It was still better yeah. than bad. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it I was. agree. The dark and brooding Superman, like, oh, I'm just this crazy alien and nobody understands me and I'm going to stand in the shadows like Batman. And Batman's like, I'm even darker in the shadows. It's like, this is stupid. <laughs> That's what happened in Justice League number one. That was exactly <laughs> what happened. It's so dumb. I love Justice League number one, New 52. That's it was so, so dumb. It was so good. The Superman. banter back and forth between Green Lantern and Flash is really good. Yeah. The worst Green Lantern? We all know that... John Stewart's the worst Green Lantern. You think John Stewart's the worst? Oh, 100%. I mean, he might be the most boring, yeah, but I wouldn't say worst. Who's worse? Uh, uh, Nort? No, he's not. <laughs> you like Nort, <laughs> You're right, it might be John Flashback to the last episode. Yeah, but you're right, we were yeah. talking about North Full on flashback. <laughs> no, really, he's he's the worst. Okay. I, I don't... I, I think it's all a matter of person. Hal's in the new 52 uh, Justice League number one. So you're wrong. Oh, yeah, it is Because it's Hal Jordan. It is Hal. Is it Hal? Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not John. Okay, well, but Superman being in the shadows, like, we don't trust the alien. He's like, nobody understands me. I'm a dark, broading alien. It's like, what is this? That's never what Superman was. Superman's an adopted son of him. That's not how it is. Like, that's so stupid. They're going to try to make Superman, like, this dark and, like, no, misunderstood. Like, that's never been the thing. That's the That completely ruins the point of Superman. I think you're ingesting it a different way than I did, nope. for sure. 
And that's why they got rid of it. They're like, let's just... They touched fingers like the the Michael painting. And, they, and then he was like, they're just back to... It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> that's, they did fix Superman. There was things that were wrong in there. You can't just, just be like, oh, well... I mean, they did, so, you know. Yeah, because <laughs> it was that bad. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That doesn't mean all of it was bad. And I will give you Grant I Morrison's keep, I keep, Batman or Superman was not the best. That's your boy Grant. Yep. Not the best. He was doing like prequel stuff, like old yeah. school stuff. Caused and it caused it to be bad. All that stuff comes from his direction. No, it doesn't. From the action comic series. No. Yeah, no, it does though. No, it doesn't. It does though. It doesn't though. It does too. Yeah, what was the guy with the, with the, with not, not the backwards, but he had like the S that was, um, that's bizarre. No, he had like an S that was burned into his chest, and he had long hair. Oh, uh, that was that, Hell. Hell, yeah. Totally different character. No, but that was Morrison, wasn't it? Uh, no, that was during the. Well, I guess the event was. Not all of his stuff was bad. Some of it, some of it was good. Okay. He's also the one that had Superman fighting angels, which eh, okay, silly. They were aliens, but they were angels. Woo. Okay. There's, anyway, there's aliens and angels back in the day as well. Zariel and like uh, like there were an- there is yeah there were angels in the outfield. That's, <laughs> that's totally different. Zario was a member of the no, yeah. of Justice League. I, he was. I'm not saying they didn't exist before. Did I you just, know that you don't like anything fun? Did you know that? Mm. So, about the Oracle. Yeah, keep going. You guys got to admit that New Hits used to suck. Oh, my goodness. And it, was a, no. it was a bad idea. No, I liked, I loved it. It did get a lot of people into it. No, it didn't. Yeah, it did. Oh, yeah. Comic sales have been higher than they've ever been. I don't know if I'd say that. I guess I would have to go back and look at... They're know. not. That's the point. There was a lot of Death of Superman sold. And a lot of it made. I no. guess I really don't know that part. No, New 52 probably was one of the biggest reasons why DC Comics wants to quit printing comic books. Oh, that's... Like, yeah, we made some bad mistakes, and yeah, this is true. one of them. That's not true. <sighs> that's not true. Okay. You keep telling yourself that. Okay. New 52 aside, Oracle is a computer genius again, and she's not no longer a teen dream. That's true, yeah. And uh, they're looking for Damien. And Bruce is like, ah, he's mad at me because of Alfred and Gotham and Bane, the Joker. Okay, first of all, what happened with Bane? I don't know. Uh, Bane killed Alfred. Right. During his story called uh, Bane or Bane War? No. Was it, was City, it Bane? City, City of Bane? City of Bane. City of Bane, that's right. So, yeah, so Alfred got dead. Um, oh, no, isn't that... Was it City of Bane or was it R.I.P. Alfred? That was the one shot came out. Oh, that's the one shot. Okay, sorry. sorry. So the titling for that book, that was the funeral. So it was the end of Bane, uh, City of Bane. City of Bane. Okay. So anyway, uh, they're looking for him. Can't find him. And he's, he's done everything that he can, which is smart. And... Deleted his trail, can't can't find him. And next shot is him versus uh, King Cobra. Right. And they're in a cage. And it's just like, I didn't realize King Cobra was blind. Oh, yeah. He's been in a lot of stuff, and he's been in a bunch of actual like Tim Drake Robin books, but I never knew he was blind. Memory-wise, it's been a long time since I'm writing the Tim, Tim run, but... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I thought that was odd. But anyway... Um, Damien's costume in this is a black and red one. Yeah, yeah, he's got a new costume for this particular series. It's very injustice looking, actually. He did away with his Robin colors to, uh, not be that Which Robin. most of the Robins do. When they're they doing do. bad stuff, they go black and red. 
That's true. They go the Red Robin route. Another good thing that came out of New 52 Injustice. There you go. That was a video game. It's not from New 52. No, it came out around the same time as New 52. But it's still not out of New 52, though. The comics did, yes. No, the comics came from the the video game. The video game did happen first. Fine. So I, I gotta give him that. Don't fine. No. It, 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 it did happen first. Fine, I'll stop poking the bear. I'm sorry. Okay. They ruined the, the they costume. Just, they ruined ideally the two greatest characters in the DC universe. Tim, which, I'm sorry. Tim Drake is one of the greatest characters in the DC universe. Yeah, they used, you're out of your mind. They used him to bring it all back together. <sighs> did they not? Well, I mean, he did see a flash of the future that was something different than made him crazy. I wouldn't necessarily say it was him that caused it, though. I mean, he was one of the catalysts. It was mostly Wally West. Yeah. Wally West, Kyle Reiner, Tim Drake. Boom. The triad right there. The three biggest, like, things that New 52 destroyed. They did all have a rough path. That's true. Anyway. He's in the cage with King Cobra. No, King Snake, my bad. I say King Cobra, because that's a really good... Malt liquor forty. Maybe you say so. But anyway, um, King Snake, and he's like swinging on this kid. He's like, "I've, uh, I'm Sir Edmund Dorrance. Uh, I may be blind, but my strikes are deadlier than anything you've ever known. I spent my fortune in search of Le- the League of Lazarus." And like Damien's is doing his thing, hands behind his back, and just like dodging everything. He's like, and I've fought little birds like you before, and you don't smell like, or you don't smell the same as them, but they, cause they always reek to fear, but you, you're the son of the bat, are you not? I've heard whispers in the dark about you. Both sides of your family have fallen from grace recently, yes? He's like, how about I offer you a way out of this foolish endeavor? If you throw your, throw in the towel now, I'll go easy on you. Save face. What do you say? Come on. Answer me. And he's like, fine. Knocks him out with a knee. He's like, your tattoo is stupid, and you nothing of me, or my family. And he says it all so calm and so chill, which is pretty awesome. Um, but that flying Superman knee kick is pretty bad. It's pretty awesome, yeah. Bad at the bone. Because it's true. Like, like, Tim Drake easily took down King, King Snake, so it's like, I mean, Damien. Damien's a better fighter. Damien, so yeah. Damien's by far a better by far, fighter. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think actually Tim's taken him down in the book in a book before, like and shown him a thing. There's like uh I can't remember what book it was, but we did it on this on this podcast way back in the day, and it was just like he was hanging out with Tim and he dev- he doesn't like Tim at all, right? Is it's that what- weird how they well, initially when Damien showed up on the scene, it dropped off at the back cave by his mom. League of Assassins the way it works, if you want the job above you, you kill the guy that has your job. Right. And when he showed up, he's like, well, I want to be Robin, so I have to kill the current Robin, which was Tim Drake at the time. So, uh, yeah, initially their meeting did not go very well, simply because Damien believed he had to kill him to take his place. But there's an issue where, like, Tim just kind of tolerates him, because Tim's a lot more patient. At this point, yeah. And then finally he's just like, all right, I'm done dealing with this kid. And he just, like, Tim just, like, smashes him. He's like, And, like, Damien's just like, what in the heck? He's like... He's like, I finally, he's like, I, he's like, I finally unleashed on him. He's like, I had to do it. I had to sh- teach him a lesson. And then, like, Nightwing shows up. He's like, all right, all right. Now you know, Damien, you're not the top of the food chain or something like, right. something like that happens. I can't remember what issue, like, what issue, yeah. what book it was, but it was, like, really cool because Tim finally just was like, no more. Not dealing with your attitude anymore. Because Tim is, like, 
like Tim just takes it like super serious because he he came from like absolutely nothing. He was right. just the neighbor a neighbor kid, you know. So and he did like he's the he's the longest run of Robin in for individual issues comics. Like he had like a hundred plus issues of just Tim Drake as Robin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, and actually like uh, maybe time period wise too. Like if you think about it. I don't think he outlasted Grayson as Robin. No, I think like, Grayson was Robin during the Titan stuff too. But as far as a standalone but series, became, but Dick became like Nightwing like real early, like seventies. Yeah, you'd have to go back to the first year that he showed up as Robin. So you're talking sixty-two. So there's a lot of time in there. Okay, as far but, as but he was Nightwing issues, in the seventies. So I'm like Grayson's been or uh, Tim uh, Drake's been Robin since. Yeah, I don't know that. Early nineties. We're gonna say yeah, early nineties or late eighties. That's something you have to Google a little more. Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, it's like, wow. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's questionable. Sure. But anyway, knocks out King Snake. Remember, the, yeah, and like, too easy. And they're like, the winner is like, you know, if you killed him, I'd have doubled your pay. And then there's some guy in the audience with like a snake tattoo on his face. I'm like, who is that kid? And then they do this, something really cool, like, as Damien's sitting on the docks reading a book. Is reading like a a manga book, right? And like they actually show what he's reading, but in that style too. Yeah. Which I don't know if it's actually like a section from an actual book. I don't know that. Like just like created for this this thing. But I thought that was really rad. It's like, pretty cool. It's a black and white like <laughs> yeah, that man- is cool manga thing. And he's sitting there with his like his sweatshirt on. He's just kind of hanging out, waiting. And all of a sudden, a guy shows up. At the same time, there's some like there's a family like like. Asking for money. Right, like a homeless family sitting out by the docks. And uh, hands hands him a coin. But he's like, in his head, he's like having a conversation with Alfred. And because him and Alfred were like really close, which all of them were really close oh, to Alfred. Yeah. Which is. But like that whole piece, that's. It's the go- Alfred's ghost, like telling him what you're doing, you know, you're, you're not making the right choices. So like, it, it's really cool the way that conversation plays out because <laughs> knowing Alfred's gone. You'd still hear. I mean, still hear. Because he would think about. Well, because he's like, he's like, oh, like you didn't, you didn't agree with this. You didn't agree. So like, I, I didn't agree with him going off and doing that. I didn't agree with like Master Dick. I didn't agree with Master right. Tim. He's like, I didn't agree with you, like you. Like, I didn't agree with any of it. But I had to do what I had to do. Man, I protected you guys, nonetheless. Right. But as it pans out, which is like such, like such good, like color and depth and everything it's like the the yeah, lighting's incredible yeah so good like this the snake the face tattoo guy that like, shows up and gives him a coin it's like this marker grants you access to the league of lazarus tournament by accepting this you accept the rules and he asks whose rules is like um just be on the boat in 15 minutes if you're not you forfeit he's like not a chance he puts all the stuff away and then like the family's still begging and he has him a Gigantic wad of cash, and the family's like, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much!" It's basically the money he got paid for the fight with King Cobra, um, with King Snake. Sorry, King Snake. So then they're like, he's on this boat that's like super old school, like um, Asian Japanese style, almost kind of like things like green lightning and like dark waters and like crazy, and um, everyone's like, "Like, so who'd you beat to get into the tournament?" I'd like, oh, be Bronze Tiger. He's like, "Cheese, he's like only way to beat him." They like like kind of like trading war stories, and they're like, um, "I was like, who's that? Who's who's the kid? He's like, he doesn't look familiar, or he looks familiar. Like, oh, the storms light are lighting up, 
And then somebody's like, ah, fighters, once once on the island, you do not leave the island until the competition's over. Communication with the outside world's forbidden. Any attempts will result in punishment. Welcome, and then I, welcome to Lazarus Island. Kind of looks like, like Skull Island. From kind of a little bit, Kong, yeah. A little bit, yeah. And uh, then you run into, uh, what's her face? The Slate's... Uh, Deathstroke's daughter. Yeah. I she guess. says she says her name. Um, it's Ravenger. Ravenger. That's mm-hmm. it. Rose is her. Right Rose name, is right? her actual right, name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she's there, and then there's like uh, another person who looks kind of like Death Deathstroke. And they can knock off one they make fun and, of. And he's like, "Nice copyright infringement." He's like, "Name's Respawn. I'm the reason you're going to regret coming Respawn. here." Respawn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like, thought that was clever. He's talking trash. Like, you're the son of the bat, or the son of the bat is is your. This kid is like, he's your biggest competition, Hawk. And it's like, hey, it looks like things are about to kick off. And they go and they meet up for kind of like a grand opening thing. And it's a woman and like blonde woman, white, like outfit with like green tattoos on her face. And it's like, greetings, I'm Mother Soul and I'm the host of the tournament. Goes through a little spiel. Like, um, it might, and like, look, like paradise, but it's a battle arena. Like, don't fraternize with your people, cause like, people like getting in relationships, it always works out poor, poorly. And it's like, uh, that being said, like, it's safe to assume that you're aware of the rules. And then Damien being the hot, hot headed kid that he is, he's just like, uh, he's like, no, no more chit chat. Uh, so who wants to fight first? He's like, he's basically, I'll take all of you on right now. And then she's like, oh, was, we were hoping to break bread first, but, uh, all right. Is this where he says I'm the son of the bad and the mm-hmm. and the yeah he, I love this little spill. this little this little mo- uh, he's monologue. Like, I'm Robin, son of the bat. My mother is the deadliest woman alive. My grandfather's immortal, Rajal Ghoul. Demon blood runs through my veins. I've done and seen more in my 14 years than all you combined. So would you rather take me on one at a time or all at once? That is so cool. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. It's pretty. And, it's pretty tough. And, and the woman, the the blonde, the older blonde lady's like, I'd hoped we'd sit down and break bread before the fighting began, Ernst. But who am I to turn down dinner and a show? This young Robin has stepped forward. Any takers? And then uh, Flatline pops up. Flatline's actually brand new. That's I was going to say that's the first time we've seen her. Mm-hmm. Is this the first? I it's thought she's been. Appearance. You're thinking a punchline. I thought she. I thought I saw seen her before, but and her look looks a lot it's like. Um. Oh gosh, what's the electric? So this is girl? Flatline's first. It's her first appearance. So anyway, she like basically beat some people, killed them, and absorbed their fighting knowledge, and uh, starts fighting with them. And she's like, "I was trained. I was trained by some of the greatest fighters to ever live." Or he said that, and she's like, "And I was trained by some of the greatest fighters to ever die, absorbed their defeats, and learned from them." And I was like, the problem with you being trained by Batman, because he's even though he's the greatest fighter alive, is that like he's never lost, so you haven't learned anything. And then she like punches him in the chest and rips out his heart. And the last scene is like, and she's like, oh, by the way, we fight to the death on this island. And she's holding his and heart, she, and yeah. he's like sitting there, like with a hole completely through his body, and uh, just on his knees, staring at her, and she's and like, and she's holding his heart in his hand. So, pretty interesting. Um, art was fantastic. Like, it's a cool storyline. Like, it's good to see, like, I mean, new creative things going on. Like, it, you know, like, doesn't have to be all intertwined with a bunch of crazy other, like, story arcs and this and that. Like, I liked it. I thought it was rad. Um, again, Damien's my second least favorite Robin. <laughs> like, he really is. I'm like, I'm like, I like, I like the idea of him. I just. So your list goes. 
From worst to best, Jason, Damien, Dick, Tim. Tim's the best. Yeah. Okay, so Tim, Dick. Dick then Dick. Then, then, then Damien, then Jason? Then Stephanie. Oh, okay. Because Stephanie was, was Stephanie's rad as Robin. She's, She's yeah. really cool. No, I agree, Spoiler. but you're putting, okay. And then, and then Damien, and then. Jason. Jason, yeah. Wow, our lists are so, wow, okay. All right. <laughs> I like him as a character, and I, you know what I really liked him in is like the Super Sons. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if I read that one. But then, like, they took Jonathan Kent and like sent him into space and made him a, make it like a teenager, an older teenager, yeah. and so like they weren't like the same age anymore. So it was like Damien was still kind of young, and then like Jonathan got older. He was like, oh, I'm like 19 and got like a beard and like <laughs> whatever. Well, you know what I mean. Like he's like, yeah. I got facial hair, and I'm like, kind of a adult now and then like Damien's like hey I don't what happened man I I still break the rules and like eat hot dogs at the 7-Eleven you know it was just like it ruined like that cool dynamic because they were cool friends right they're currently doing a series right now called uh, Challenge of the Super Sons which is dated prior to the age up so there is a series happening right now where they're still like the odd couple and the same age so because Damien's such a jerk and breaks the rules and John is just like Hey man, I just, my dad's cool. My mom's cool. I just, I just, I just you know, I, just, I don't think our parents like us to do that. Damien's like, that's why we should do it. Yeah, it's, it's so, it's super rad. It's, yeah. it's like a cool dynamic. It's really good. But again, that's you know, whatever. Probably another thing that <laughs> you have nothing to do with that. That's probably Michael Bendis. That's who you can blame for that. The age up thing is his fault. So you got a score for that book, Josh? Uh, I got to three point seven five. Okay. I mean, I must give it a four. I'd give it a four. The art was that fantastic. Oh, that's great. Normally, the art doesn't sway me because, like, I'm 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 more of a bigger supporter of the Story. writing. That's that's always been my jam. But like, the art is so good. Like that, he's he's one to watch. I don't I don't know anything else he's done, but um, I'm sure I can Google it real quick. But I was just like, I was blown away how good the art is. Mr. Brown, I. Essentially, a ripoff of uh, Mortal Kombat, isn't it? I, I mean, mean setup is I hate, Mortal I hate to, I it hate is, to say it, but I mean, the boat with the coin, with the the tournament, the lady who kind of looks like a lady version of Shang Tsung. I, I mean, I think Ed Boon should uh, get some writing credits on that, but that that's me. <laughs> um, no, I, I give it a three. Um, it, it it's the, the art is incredible. There's no doubt about it. Um, I I like Damien. Um, Damien's probably my second favorite, honestly. I, I like Damien a lot, um, especially because of his heritage and who he is. And again, his his cockiness is I really enjoy. I love I love that line. I'm the I'm the son of the bad and the daughter of the of the most dangerous woman of the world. My grandfather. I mean, he uses his pedigree every chance he can, which in a lot of situations makes people go, "Oh, man, I don't I don't want to mess with this guy." And he backs it up too. He I mean, he definitely backs it up. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it a three, um, um, just based on story again. I think it's a little a little weak because you, you're getting first thing I thought of was Mortal Kombat. I was like, I've seen this in a movie one time. Oh wait, <laughs> there was a guy named Johnny Cage, and they threw some luggage in the in the water. What happened? Yeah, but they bring in some like old Robin villains, like King Snake, like an old Robin villain from like I, the Tim the Tim Drake era, which I, I thought was rad. I mean, I don't care for. Yeah. Like him having the 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 force ghost like talk with Alfred and like that's been kind that of, was a touching moment. That, well, that, that nice. that's been kind of ongoing like a little bit with him and Alfred specifically. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, it's happened, think, it's happened a few books. and but Not just with him, I think with, it's, Tyson happened, also. it's happened with Tim. Jason, yeah. No, it happened with Tim, too. It's happened to all of them, I think. I'm sure it's happened to Probably, all of them. Yeah. As far as the thing, I, the only one I don't think we've seen it with really is Jason, but I can only matter a future time, state right now. Yeah, well, the future state stories. He's still running his own book, though, right, too? The- no. Oh. Cur- currently, the only books he's, really, he's in is Future State and in Batman Urban Legends. Because Outsiders changed to Red Hood. Red Hood in 50 and 51. Right. And it stopped after that? Yes, sir. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Surprising. It is surprising. Yeah. I bet that issue sold well, too. I mean, it's a good issue. Yeah, it was really I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, actually. So it, it might still return to its own moniker, but so far we have not seen it happen. So interesting, because Jason's my favorite by far. And then probably Tim, or excuse me, and then uh, Damien, Dick, Tim, Stephanie. <laughs> That's me, though. Well, Stephanie well, wore the costume all for ever, two shoes. All right. ever, okay, so all, all I ever did was steal the hubcaps off the the Batmobile. Jason? Yeah. J- to Jason? To, to, to all your, to did, your point? All I ever did was steal the hubcaps off right, the Batmobile. To, First of all... What does a Batmobile have hubcaps? Okay. To be flashy. No. Stupid. <laughs> J- Jason's the best fighter. There's no doubt about it. Jason's, no, he's not. Yes, he is. Not even close. Jason could whip any other Robin there is. There's nah. no doubt about it. There's nah. No about he's it. lost a dick before. Yeah, dick's As whooped thing, him multiple times. If you're going to take the pieces that they are, Jason's the rage. Right. I mean, that's... Yeah. And I, that's what, again, that's why Jason's my favorite. He's also, in my opinion, the most broken. And that's why I like him. Is he a better Red Hood than a Robin? Of course. No doubt about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Did I give a score to that book? I don't think I did. No, you did not. Okay, score. so uh, I give it a four. Uh, art is fantastic. Story, I- I'll give you. that. There's definitely pieces that are like Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat. That's for sure. Mortal Kombat, the Robin book? But the uh, the writing inside of it, the dialogue is really good. Dialogue is good. The play on dialogue is good. The stuff with Alfred, we all like, so it's awesome. So, like, it's just his... The writing... As far as delivery between characters and talking, awesome. Uh, Battle Island, okay. Yeah, I mean, any Battle Island's going to be that The way. art on that Battle Island was really cool. The Lazarus Island, oh, or yeah. what, what is it, League of Lazarus. It, that, that pan shot of coming out to that big skull almost looking thing was really, really cool. Heck yeah. So yeah, I give it a four. Also, still, still fantastic. Um, so for there, I move on to the Joker, number one. All right, and this is used, uh, written by James Tinian. And uh, the artist on it is Gillum March. Gillum March. Uh, as far as series, this is issue one. When we first open up, like we, uh, we, the announcement on the front of the page is the prologue called Boogeyman. We see a shot of a harbor, and then we join Jim Gordon, who's sitting inside of a bar, and he's having drinks. And Jim is, uh, this is younger Jim. This is prior to being gone from Chicago, and uh, he's in there reminiscing over. Things have recently happened where he outed a bunch of the uh, men in the force being on the take, and so now he's considered a uh, outcast by his own people because of that. And as he's uh, thinking to himself, he talked about how his three drinks past what was okay to be drinking, laments the, his kids and his daughter and everything that's going on in his life and how everything became a mess by him trying to do the right thing with these cops. And uh, from there, he, we hear a voice behind him. The person asks him, Jim, uh, tell me, are you old enough to uh, have found your boogeyman yet? And uh, we get a reveal that this is a character named Danny Ryan. And Danny Ryan's an old school cop, big butt mustache, white hair, big, like size-wise. Very uh, Eckert style, except old. 
And uh, Jim's like, uh, what do you mean, boogeyman? But he doesn't say that. He's the boogeyman with a question mark. Danny pre- moves forward to explain to him that, well, yeah, in the job, eventually you'll meet your boogeyman. It's the one you see when you fall asleep at night. And uh, their dialogue is, it, there's a lot of good dialogue in here. Uh, so this is going to be abridged, which I guess is normal. The monologue especially of Jim is oh, yeah. extremely good. All the stuff while he's sitting in the bar is, it's just, it's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as moving forward, Jim references a few more things and eventually Danny decides he's going to tell him about his boogeyman. He's like, do you believe in an evil Jim? And uh, from there we cut to a, a scene of a dead girl on a table, all cut up with a man currently peeling part of her face off. Mm-hmm. To uh, to eat her face, and uh, we see a shot of a younger Danny uh, in his you know SWAT gear or whatever with his vest on. As the monologue goes on, Danny explaining the situation to Jim. He tells him that uh, the thing that bothers me the most about it is that uh, when I caught him, he offered me a piece of her face as if I would eat it, as if that was normal. And like that's the part that bugged him the most about the situation. And uh, Jim's like. Why the hell are you telling me this? And uh, Danny tells him, Well, there's a law, Jim, and that's really, really important to you. But there's a law, and there's evil, Jim. And when you see evil, he tells me you have to aim for the head also. You have to aim for the head. And so, like, Jim sits there for another second just looking at Danny, and he's like, Ah, good night, Dan. I'm gonna go. And he basically just leaves. Uh, And then we have some more monologue, like internal monologue about how Jim... Just thought he was shaking him, and it was all him trying to mess with him about the uh, the evil of man being something to do with the way he outed his own his own men in blue for being on the take. Not and, not to go back, but the, there's there's a lot here with Jim about his wife, his um, kind of a failure. It feels like in 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 his in Barbara's eyes um, about Chicago um, being moved um, back and forth between. Um, again, he just feels like a failure. He feels down and out. Right. And he, and he knows that this Danny guy is kind of a, a, a bum and hasn't done a lot of the job. So to have him come up and say, Oh, you're having a rough day. Let me tell you about rough days. The, the evil that I've seen. Right. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. And like, uh, as we cut to the next page, we see older Jim and he's in bed and uh, we see an outline of the Joker above him. And he says, and now I see the devil each night when I close my eyes. And that's where we get our title page. Um, and of course, it's the Joker with his hands in his hair, very uh, killing joke style. Killing joke style, yeah. Um, so then we move on to ch- what they call chapter one. Uh, call it a day. In the writing, eventually we see the, say, the, the call it a day becomes a dash a dash day. And what we're talking about is the fall of uh, Gar- Ar- Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. after the poisoning that happened from Joker canisters that are left inside the building. So this is also reflected in a couple other books as a thing towards the end of the uh, Joker War. We have a batch of different characters get dead because of the Joker gas. And so this particular event we've seen referenced in a few other books. Uh, and it talks about how the the rumors about the Batman getting there trying to save everything. And of course the cops fighting Batman. And the body count being as huge as it was. And that they all think that the Joker planted the bombs long before the Joker War happened. To months, yeah, they say months. Months, and, yeah, to blow it up afterwards. And it kind of goes through a body count. We see a whole bunch of the body bags outside and talks about inmates being dead and a bunch of different nurses and uh, how one particular officer managed to save 
a handful of the nurses by burning by blowing out the Joker gas himself, using to get out of the, the building. But in the process, burned himself. Yeah, he used fire. Yeah, to because uh, he used fire to ignite the gas in order to stop it from infecting everyone and killing them. But in the process of doing that, he burned himself beyond like so badly. And Jim says, "Man, maybe I had that guy wrong because I denied him entry to the police force multiple times." And here he was willing to sacrifice himself to put out the fire, or to put out the gas with the fire. Mm-hmm. So, like, interesting how Jim's, like, looking at past things he's done. And at this point, he's no longer commissioner. He's resigned as commissioner. So, uh, as a thing, he is currently trying to live through his retirement. Yeah, he's about to retire, from what, it, so, from what uh, I understood. Or, or is he retired? He's already retired. He has retired, okay. Yeah, he's already left the force, and he's uh, trying to put that all behind him. But, of course, he can't really get away from it. Uh, they give us a cool shot of like some of the uh, supposed missing people and dead people, and we talk about how Crane's missing, or, or they believe Crane's dead, but if other books have already told us he's not, so... And he talks about the one he doesn't believe the most, and it's the Bane. And we do see Bane, like, dead dead, it looks, in the uh, previous book where the Joker bombs have gone off, and now the city has had effigies go up for him in different parts of the city, and he's like, I can kind of understand, like, the man wouldn't drive, and him inspiring people to have... Based on strength, yeah. Right, based strength. on strength. But what the man did was terrible, and these people still, like, right. you have flags with his face on it. And, Big murals. Yeah, there's a, yeah, they show a giant one in the middle of it, and, like, the way people remember things is weird. And Jim just walks to the city thinking, God, how crazy, but he had the city at his knees, and now these people are worshipping him after his death. But I believe that death the least. Anyway, eventually J- Jim meets the uh, current, I think he's the current mayor, if I remember right. And uh, they talk about how we've seen we've seen the Joker, and uh, we get a set of pictures that um, he shows him, and they're like, well, this shows that the Joker's the one that did it. This is where we go over all the stuff about them setting it up early, and how they believe that the, the canisters were in the uh, building for months. And he hands them a batch of pictures where we see him fishing a guy out of the river, and we see Bane's mask, and uh, Jim's like, yeah, I didn't tell him I'd already seen all those pictures. And then we see a shot of Jim on the catwalk with Batman going through a handful of photos. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I didn't want to let him know that I had already seen all those pictures and was already abreast of the situation. I knew about the Joker before this whole meeting ever happened. Uh, from the meeting, Joker, from the meeting, Jim goes home, and there's a whole lot of like really cool inner dialogue for Jim. I mean, this book really is a Jim Gordon book, not really a Joker book. Eventually, it gets more Jokery in the sure. next couple issues, but as a thing, this particular issue is very Jim Gordon. And uh, he gets home, and we see like pictures that he still has sitting on the. Uh, Sitting on the armoire, it's a picture of him and Barbara, a picture of his wife, a picture of Barbara. And as he's, like, rinsing his face off, of course, when he looks in the mirror, we see a reflection of the Joker behind him, because he's haunted by it. And he talks about how the city's turned, and we have this whole celebrity aspect happening with a bunch of the criminals. And as he's lamenting the city more, he's walking through it, and we see all these people wearing punchline t-shirts. And if you don't know what's happening in the punchline side of things, she got caught and arrested after the whole Joker war. Uh, but in her trial, she managed to sway a lot of folks in Gotham by uh, explaining where she came from, and even though it's not, like, part of it's true, part of it's not. Well, some of it's the Joker manipulated her, right? Doesn't she kind of throw him under the bus? She does, even though it's not entirely the truth. Right, yeah. yeah, But she she uses that to get herself up. Popularity from it is if she's a victim as well. Sorry for me, because, you know, the Joker was bad to me. Right. And, like, we know that that's not the truth, but uh, the people of Gotham don't. And as a result, we have a whole bunch of people that are protesting her release and, of course, wearing T-shirts with her. And it's a whole money-making scheme that's going on. And, like, Jim walks through the city, and he's, 
he gets down to the subway area, and he's like, people just brazenly wearing Joker masks and putting Joker paint on to do whatever they want. And we see these two dudes mug this lady, and he talks about how at one point Barbara told me to dye my hair. That way I wouldn't look so young. Or so I wouldn't look so old. old. Yeah. And he, like, you see him armbar the dude and, like, save the lady's purse. And then uh, we move forward a little more, and he's having dinner with Barbara at a restaurant. And he's he, Everywhere he looks, every reflection is like he sees the Joker constantly haunting him. Because the Joker's his devil. Uh, at one point, he goes to the cemetery and visits John, or sorry, Jim Jr. He brings, visits Jim Jr.'s uh, grave, and he talks about how the Joker found out about his son and knew just how to twist him to cause him to go too far to get himself dead. And he thinks about all the things the Joker stolen from him, all the stuff he did to Barbara. It, it's this whole menagerie of the different things the Joker's gotten away with that he's done to Jim. So I didn't, I didn't know that he killed Jim Jr. Caused Jim Jr.'s death. Joker didn't necessarily kill him, but he put him in the mindset that forced Barbara to, we think, kill him. Okay. Of course, there's no body, so, I mean... We don't know. Best I can tell you, yeah, he might still be alive. Okay. But yeah, it's more the Joker forced his hand and caused it than it was actually him killing him. But yeah, so we see the, this, the grave of Jim Jr. and this crazy, like, mess of Joker faces just haunting above it. It's just crazy. Uh, and from there, Jim's leaving and he winds up encountering this car outside and this vehicle pulls up to him and a guy in a, basically like a trench coat and a scarf leads him to a window where he talks to this woman in the car. The blonde lady, very aristocratty. It's a limousine kind of thing going on. She tells him, oh, you should join me. I want to take you for a ride. Which I think is automatically a red flag, to be honest. But, you know, Jim's Jim. So she, she says she wants to talk to him about the Joker and he goes, yep. of course you do. Yeah, because it's a normal thing for right. him. Right, yeah, he's... He's very nonchalant about it. He's like, all right, I get it. Let's go. Right. So he takes a ride with her to this crazy mansion, and uh, she leads him inside, and we, they wander around a little bit, and she talks to him about how the Joker's been seen. He's been seen over in Europe, I think is where it is, or... Belize. Belize. And she shows him a bunch of pictures where he stills a plane, shoots a couple guys, and takes off, and Jim's like, okay. And he tells... He, he's like, I, even Batman hasn't seen these. Yeah, he's like, I didn't tell, I didn't tell her that the police haven't seen them, and I, I let. He's like, I, what is he? Oh, I told, I told them, I told her that the police haven't seen them, but I left out that Batman probably hasn't either. So it means they have information. They have information way that, deeper than yeah. what everyone else has. Exactly. And eventually, she makes a uh, offer to him that uh, she wants him, to, she wants him to hunt down the Joker for her. And Jim initially takes that as a uh, you know work for hire kind of thing, just like a detective would do. And he's kind of about it for a minute. And then eventually she, he tells her, well, you're going to be paying for my expenses. That's, he, she offers him like millions of dollars. She he, says, she says, you, here, I'm going to give you a card and you can as many expenses as you can while you're on the job. And then when you're done, I'll pay $25 million. He's like, that's an awful lot to just catch somebody. His face in that frame, in that, in that panel is great. He's like, his eyes are like, whoa, whoa. The shock on his face. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And she's like, oh no, you misunderstand. I don't want you to catch him. I want you to kill him. And, uh, of course, that's where the other shoe drops for Jim, because, you know, Batman. And uh, she tells him, well, if you need to take some time to think about it, like, the offer's on the table for so long, and, oh, yeah, I hope that you decide to make that decision. She says there's a plane leaving in, like, what, a week or something? You're either on it or you're not, basically, is what, yeah. Right. I'll know you accepted the job if you're on it. And she goes into the whole how obviously Joker ruined his family, you know Barbara and oh yeah, and Jim. Twist, yeah. Screws. she yeah, definitely yeah. kind of put put puts the work on him for sure to sway him into trying trying to do this. 
So he winds up leaving. And, What's her uh, name? I'm sorry. I oh, hate to interrupt. They say it in there. I couldn't even pronounce it. It was like Desiria? Desinia? It was very uh, exotic uh, name. Anyway, anyway, I was wondering if, if you knew if it had to do with anybody or anything. Uh, they call her Cressidia. Cressidia. Okay, thank they you. They ask uh, what he's supposed to call a guy in the mask, or the uh, scarf. Scarf, yeah. She's like, you don't call him anything. Looks very much like Bane, by the way. It big, does look like Bane. Big man. And he's sized like Bane. Yes, he is. And uh, during their whole conversation, she explains that a, a sizable amount of money has been brought to her to get to him. Um, very crime organization-wise. And I kind of think you're a little on the nose, maybe, with that whole Bane thing. Because I kind of think that might be a big part of that. It's pretty easy. I mean, it, it's... Because yeah. we can sort of see his, sort yeah. of see his face. Kind of sort of, again, the scarf kind of just goes up to his nose. Right. Like he's got a, yeah, yeah, anyways. But yeah, so Cressidia is her name, and that's not a name I recognize from anything. I didn't so think so. Okay. If she is from something else, I don't know what it is. Okay. But yeah, after he winds up leaving the building, um, we cut to Belize. And we see this sort of nice looking, I don't know, it has a pool and a couple of different bungalows. It looks like a drug lord mansion. It does. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing that's that came exactly to my mind. exactly what it looks like. <laughs> and then uh, we get to the front door, and we have this set of voiceover going on. Uh, at the front door, of course, there's a guy dead uh, with the door propped open. We go inside, and we see a room full of dead people. Dead people on the stairs. We come upstairs, and we see uh, it's the Joker in his, uh, I don't know, I guess, favorite beach outfit. Looking at the newspaper with his name on it and reading things, and uh, there's a girl in the chair, and we realize this voiceover is now turned to Joker's voiceover. And uh, when we spin the camera around to see his face, well, we see his crazy face, and the girl in the chair is definitely very dead. And we see that he's got his one red eye and then the green eye, or well, blue, I guess. Now, last time we saw Joker during Joker War, Harlequin shot out his eye. So uh, this fake eye is a result of that. And yeah. what does the what does the front page say? Oh, the front page is like Joker's last laugh, Arkham Arkham Asylum destroyed, and he's like, "That's what he wanted." Seems very tickled with himself. Oh yeah, he's sure. laughing. It's crazy. Like he just looks crazy. There's a whole sequence of laughs that lead all the way off the page. Um, that's where that particular story ends. There is a tiny backup story in here for Punchline, which I mean, it it kind of goes over part of the trial and irons out pieces of a. Uh, what she's trying to do and why, while she's in prison, how she's behaving. The art in it's also really great also. I mean, it's uh, Sam Johns and Tinian both writing it, and uh, it's Mariko and Dolfo that did the art. And she's uh, the same lady who did uh, uh, Unnatural and uh, Misery. Uh, she currently has a book getting ready to come out called Sweet Paprika. Um, anyway, she's done a lot of different stuff, a bunch of variant covers. She's a good artist, too. Um that particular thing we open up with, uh, again, like retelling some of the stuff that, that was done by Punchline. And we're in the middle of the trial. And of course, we have a bunch of people outside and they're all, of course, protesting. Inside, we join one of the lawyers who's prosecuting. And uh, he gets a whisper that the, um, lead, uh, the lead witness has been found dead in the harbor. Second witness. Oh, second witness, yes. Which right. to me makes me think, oh, wait a minute. What happened to the first witness? Right. <laughs> so at this point, the witnesses are dropping like flies, from best we can tell. Um, and then we see some more folks that are. Of the opinion that her, that uh, punchline should be set free, and it just the cuteness to it, like girls painted up like her, and dudes walking the street carrying signs saying "free punchline" and wearing masks, and we see a flash for a second of uh, a bluebird, and she's trying to help one of the prosecutors, and the two of them are talking about trying to find more proof that'll connect her, 
and proof that she did what she did on her own, that she wasn't led by the Joker. And uh, so they give Bluebird an assignment to basically track down this information. And uh, from there, we jump to the prison, where we find Punchline laying in her bed. And uh, her her bunkmate, I guess is what you call it? Cellmate. Cellmate. Um, Punchline finds a card, and she's like, what is this supposed to be? And her cellmate advises her, oh, that's from the Royal Flush Gang. Like, uh, she's currently the one that runs this section of the prison. Queen of Spades. Queen of Spades. Yep. And uh, she's like, all right, all right, I'm going to go deal with this. And so uh, the bunkmate's very scared of the idea that there was a card there and tells her you have to wait, behave a particular way. And Punchline's like, yeah, no. And so she walks from her cell to the Royal Flush cell. And uh, we have a meeting with her and the Queen of Spades. Which turns into a fist fight, uh, which is kind of hilarious because, like, the Queen of Spades basically explains to her, "This is how things run here. I'm I'm the Queen of the Royal Flush Gang." And she's like, "Oh, well, you know why they call me Punchline?" And uh, she takes it just whooping her, and uh, it gets pretty bloody. And we see exactly how crazy Punchline really is as she cleans her face with a handful of blood, um, which is crazy. Uh, then we jump back to Bluebird for a second so we can deal with her brother. Like, her younger brother has been taken in by a group of uh, other people that also believe the punchline should be freed. And even though he is abreast of the situation in the world about how the Bat family is and what her, his sister does, he's like, I can be, I can take care of myself. I'm old enough to be left alone. And she lets him know, I'm going to be out of town for a few days. I don't want people at the house. I don't want your new punchline friends at the house. And she basically gives him, like, marching orders to, you know, keep keep a straight path or whatever. And uh, off she goes. And that's basically where that wraps up. So uh, Punchline and uh, Bluebird at some point have to come to, like, a head, because otherwise it's weird. But, yeah, as far as, like, a thing, it is a pretty cool little short story. It's a setup for other things to happen. And it gives us a tiny bit of Punchline, which the book promised us to have, so there's that. Um, as far as, like, books concerned, like, I dig the art. The styling's a little different than other stuff, but, uh, the story being such a Jim Gordon story, I like it a lot. Uh, score-wise, I give it a three and a half. I think Jim Tenian's a good writer. Um, I do like other artists better than March, but I don't dislike him. So, as a thing, though, I, I dig how much Jim Gordon the story has in it. I think it's awesome. So, yeah, I give it a three and a half. That's, uh, that's what I got on the Joker. Uh, Mr. Brown? It's a four, uh, four, four and a half for me. Um, anything that has to do with Gordon um, really really connects, I think, with the, the reader, um, for me. <clears throat> me being the reader, rather. Um, and I think it does connect with a lot of other people. You're really using him as this shuttle to kind of give you the emotion um, that Batman can't always do. Sure. Because he is so... Um, how do I put it? Um, separated from a lot of, you know, of, of, of what happens emotionally. And Jim being the guy who, you know, is in the middle of everything all the time and the back and forth with the wife. And he's obviously divorced from her and, you know, his, um, you know, daughter is busy. His son is dead. And yeah, I, I, I love it. I love the, I love everything about this book involving Jim Gordon. It's perfect. Um, where it gets a little weird for me is with the Joker, um, just, just kind of the art, how they portray him is a little too, um, cartoony for me. Sure. That's probably the only reason why I don't give it a, a, a higher score. Gets a little kind of, eh, especially at the end. Um, the art's great. Uh, the dead lady on the chair is 
flawless. Like that art oh, yeah, is yeah. incredibly well done. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's great. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was great. It's, it's really well done. I'm excited to see, um, where it's going. If it's anything like three jokers, which I don't know if it will be, cause that was incredible. Um, it, it should be a pr- pretty good read. Mr. Josh. So did nobody else notice that like the weird blonde lady, the big guy is Bane. You don't listen when we're talking, do you? No, I was reading. Oh, okay. I was reading about James Gordon Jr. Oh, yeah, okay. No, sure. I yeah, did, I, I, I did a massive deep dive in James Gordon Jr. and I was just like, how much of a psychopath he is, and like how, like how he, I, it, it, it never really brought Joker into it. It just said that like James, he like, kind of pushed him over the edge. Is well, what but, it sounds like. Yeah, but he was he was he was a psychopath for way way before that, like like murdering like his. Killed animals and no, no, like his his sister's best friend when they were like on yeah. a trip together when they were kids and stuff. Like he was a psychopath for very early on. I was like, I was like, I was like, kind of always. I went, I went, I went on a deep dive. I'm sorry. No, was, no, I, you're good. I was like, okay. I did totally say that though. Yeah, he's absolutely. There's no doubt about it. He's that's Bane for yeah. sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. I, that was one of the first things that kind of struck me. I'm like, all right, you brought him up earlier, the big mural, and you can only see half his face. Like that's there's Bane. That, no doubt about it. So here's the deal. Um. She's beautiful, by the way. But I'm sorry, and because because yeah, I want to say Cassandra, Cassidia. Cassidia. The art for her, her face, her tone, the lines, the cheekbones, the rose on her cheek—incredible art for her. Beautiful. As far as the Joker goes, I hate the popularity of the Joker. It bugs me so much. And it was like, oh yeah, the Joker. He's like so great. And I, uh, I, I hate it because like, so I struggle with this character a lot, and I'd almost take it out on like what the character really, really is. Which like the reason that I hate the popularity of the character is the reason why he's such a brilliant villain. And I say this in this way that like, he's a he's one of the worst things that exist in the DC universe. Like he just kills and murders and and pillages and destroys and doesn't care about anything except destruction. And so like, but like people like, Oh yeah, the Joker, I love the Joker. I love the Joker. Just like, why? Right. Well, it's just like, you're literally like loving the one, like you're loving the most evil thing ever. If I can help, I think it's more of the loving the pop culture part of it. That's what bugs me. Yeah, no, and they, no, ta- yeah, and, bugs, and they talk about that in there. Bugs me too. Yeah, in the book a lot. Where like, oh, you see the painted face mm-hmm. and stuff. So like, the Joker is a disgusting pile of garbage, and just like the fact that like, you know, like there. So makes him a good bad guy, but yeah, the love for him is. Is and using him in this in this quirky kind of it, it, especially in the end in the quirky kind of way where he's holding up the paper it's like all right that's kind of whatever no but it shows how disgusting he is because he's just like not, he just moved, murdered a hundred people right got to South America and now he just like shot some chick in the face but in the beginning when it shows him as Jim's pure evil I really like that I think that's cool and I just I you know I honestly think that like. That's where sometimes, like, I've always been a massive, like, and this is a debate for another night, like, a, a deep debate, and, like, maybe for another episode, but, like, I, I've i always been a massive DC fan over Marvel. Always been my thing. But, like, when you go, to, when when it's 
when you go Marvel, Marvel versus DC, like, uh, there's one thing that Marvel always does when you get a character who's just fantastic, like Wolverine. If Wolverine's like, oh, you're a bad person, and he just stabs him in the neck with his claws. You know what I mean? Like, he's just like, nah, we're good. Like, you're done. You know what I mean? Like, right. it just like, it's, and, and I get it. Like, you get Superman and you get Batman, and they are like, they are, they hold the standard of like, human beings need to be good. We need to hold ourselves to a higher standard than all this evil. And I get right. that. But you get somebody like Wolverine, which, understandably, and like people are like, oh, how are you even having this conversation? They're like, such different, like, okay, whatever. But the one thing about Wolverine is just like, you're such a bad person. I just, I took care of it. <laughs> this right. isn't even a conversation anymore. I stabbed you in the neck with my claws. This conversation's over. You know, I'm like, he, he tried to kill Magneto back in the nineties. It's true. To be like, okay, we're, we're done with this. Like, we're on a space station, like, like Asteroid X. Asteroid X, yeah. And, you know, like, you're trying to conquer the Earth, and, like, you're trying to be, like, the, like, the, the this big badass, like, mutant villain, whatever, and you hate humans and all this stuff. I'm done. I'm done. Charlie tried to talk you down. You know, Charles Xavier, and right. he's, like, he's like, I'm done. I'm done with this crap. And he, like, charges at him, and, like, well, Magneto's like, okay, I'm tired of you. And he, like, pulled that adamantium out of his right. body. Through his pores. So crazy. And it was like in a, it was a brilliant storyline. But I'm just, but whatever. But like, I'm just saying that like, the difference between Marvel and DC in that aspect is, is like, in, in, in D, in DC, you have these characters that are so brilliant. I mean, they are, they're just brilliant. Like, Superman is like a god. But yet he isn't a god because he, only, only because he chooses not to be. Sure. And so like, you know, like he could be like, you know, I think, this is a this is a, a thought that I have on a daily basis with myself. It was like, what if just like, just life changed, and there's a roll of the dice, and this thing showed up to one of us in this room, okay, and they're just like, okay, you have all the powers of Superman right now. What are you gonna do with it? Like, just that's it. Like, that's it. Like, you have the you you have all the powers of Superman. And by, and all the powers of Superman, like, not just strength and speed and invulnerability and heat vision and all those things, but like, he's super intelligent as well. Like, he can read and like learn a language, like, in, in, in mere minutes because like, he's that intelligent and he can just like read that book super speed. So like, your communication skills are amplified. So you could, the, you know, the thing that's going on in the Middle East right now, like with, like, the Hamas and, and Israel or, you know, like, or whatever it is, like, you could just be like, you're just like, you have to make those decisions right now. And you have that power and you could be like, you could do whatever you want. You could be like, okay, all right, I'm going to end this. I'm going to end this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like, and it, like, I think, like, I spend a lot of time alone at work and I'm just like, well, what'd you do in that situation? Like, how would you handle that situation? And just like, that's Superman. And like, to write that character is really tough because it's like, you're writing a character who can do those things. And so you get all these other, you get all these other like takes on him. Like the boys is a good example. 
great example. Great example. But and you have these characters like oh, like the Squadron Supreme thing sure. right now, like going on, like you know, like you're getting these characters that are like they're basically Superman, they're basically Batman, basically Wonder Woman. They're like and like, but from a different take. And you're just like, what would you do? It's it's pretty crazy, you know. You you have to like second guess, guess yourself, and so like across the board, just like sometimes like I wonder as much credit as he gets, and I I don't want to give him the credit he deserves, but I'm like sometimes Wolverine just has it right, man. Like just end it, get it over with, and move on. I I I I've always been a DC fan for as long as I can remember, and I like Marvel too. Don't get me wrong, but I'm gonna I again this is a debate for another night. But real quick, DC in my opinion has that. And you and I have had many conversations about this. It's especially with Superman is that internal, eternal moral struggle that is. He's the moral compass. Yeah, for sure. But but it, but in in that situation where okay, you get these powers, you get these things, you get these all these amazing abilities. Uh, for me, like the first thing I think of is God. How do I how do I handle that? And that's something that. Clark would say, and he does many times. How do I deal with you know dealing with all this, you know, moral dilemma? It's it's very difficult. But and I'm with you 100. percent But that's the thing with Batman though is like Batman sees that in Superman, and Superman makes Batman a better person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Batman makes Superman a better person because they like that's why they're called the world's finest, and that's why sure. I've always loved that dynamic. So I know it's it's again that's this is a conversation for another night, but it's like. This book, like, is really cool in the aspect of, like, James Gordon is, like, Joker has done horrible things to him. Like, horrible things. Like, oh, yeah. And the, it's not talked about out loud, but, like, the Joker did unspeakable. Unspeakable things to his daughter. Unspeakable. You know, and she's like, and, and whatever. And now he's going to get a chance to kill him. So, like, the fact that this, this book's called. Like it's a Joker book, but yeah, it's it's from James Gordon's point of view. It's really cool, right? Um, like I didn't say it yet. I, I I give it a four and a half. I was blown away. Like, um, I I don't like the writing was this again. Like CBS knows, like you don't necessarily, but like, um, T Brown, like I'm a writer guy. Like I I follow like the story. I, yeah. I, I'll fi- I'll I'll follow writers all day long. Like I, if the art's garbage, it is what it is. But as long as it's written well, I don't care because like I read so many books and like. The writing in this is some of the best writing I've seen in a long time. Yeah, Tinian is definitely good. I mean, as far as the writer's concerned, like he's yeah, his Batman stuff has been really great. That story at the beginning where like the old cop loved was it. telling him as loved a young it. cop, like yep. he's like, I saw this thing. He was skinning a Evil. person, and yeah. I didn't kill him when I should have had the chance. He's like, I should have done that, and he jumped out the window. I never caught that guy, and that's forever in my in my brain, my forever in my heart. That story, like that, that was rad. Like that's such brilliant writing. It's so cool, you know, and it's just like that's good writing, and that's 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 why I follow guys like Grant and things like that. But um, I I don't know. I just this this is obviously has been out for a while, right? Uh, this issue, yes, we're currently on issue three of the Joker. That's the newest issue came out. Long How many is there going to be? Four. No, no, it's an ongoing series. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. I yeah. thought it was a miniseries. As far as the thing, I can't see it lasting like forever, mm-hmm. considering like what we're dealing with tone-wise and mm-hmm. style-wise. But at this point, it's listed as an ongoing. Okay. So, book-wise, yeah. It's a big book for an ongoing book, I thought. I mean, well, it's got the backup story, Oh, I forgot, too. I forgot about that. So, like, the backup make, makes a difference in size. But, yeah, it's a, uh, as far as the piece is concerned, yeah, so far we are three issues in, um... 
issue two has got a second print to it. So, I, as far as that goes, I mean, it means it's still popular. But yeah, uh, series-wise, does not have any in-cap listed on it. So I guess as long as it stays popular, maybe. And the weird thing with, like, Holly Quinn and Punchline 2 is just, like, think about all those, like, actual serial killers that had, like, mobs of women, like, sending him. Oh, yeah. It's so a real it's like, thing. It's, yeah. I mean, I just, I think it's, I don't like it. I mean, I get it for, like, merchandising and things like that, but I'm just like, <sighs> it's, like, <laughs> right. so stupid. Like, like the Joker's, like, a bad person. Like, not good. Oh, like, no. Not yeah, even, yeah. Like, not even funny bad. Like, no. Like, yeah. Than- Thanos He's had... He's a fantastic a, Thanos had an idea. Like, he was like, you oh, know, I'm going to kill half the universe because, like, we can't support each... There's too many of us. And I'll just... I'll just make... There'll be no suffering. We'll just, like, we'll do away with half everybody and we'll be good to go. See, I get it. I get it, Thanos. I got your back, man. <laughs> you know? Joker's a different flavor, bad guy. Joker just but likes to watch people suffer. That's what makes him Thanos just bad wanted guy. to make the universe a better place. You know? Well, in the movies, yeah. In, in the comics, he's... Cause he's a little more in death. love with death, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's hot for death. The lady. Maybe. Or he's crazy. Which is possible, too. Well, they called him the Mad Titan. Right. I and mean, there's a reason. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, as far as the books, and that's it for books. Um, so, uh, what did you learn today, Tyler Brown? Uh, I learned, gosh, that that I like uh, I, that Jim Gordon is a perfect, uh, a perfect way to. I mean, I guess I didn't learn that, but I knew it. That, that, <laughs> that Gordon's a perfect way to transfer over emotions. Um, I learned that Josh and I have completely different rankings on Robbins. That's true. That's which is true. okay. Which is okay. He's yeah. allowed to be wrong. It's all right. <laughs> Man. It's okay. <laughs> now I shudder to ask, what'd you learn today, Josh? <laughs> I'm so shell-shocked that you guys think that New 52 was such a brilliant thing. Like, like the fact that you guys don't realize it, like, when you look at the numbers, it was so terrible for DC. Oh, that's not true. Maybe, maybe your shop specifically was okay, but overall, it was a bad idea. Hmm. I did some research. It wasn't okay. good. So, hmm. New 52 was a bet. And the fact that you guys are such avid supporters of something so terrible business, uh, such a terrible di- business model, blows my mind. All right, all right. What did I learn today? What did you learn today? Don't leave me alone to Google, because I'm going to, sh- I'm going to, I'll prove my point. I mean, you seem to want to fact check every single thing I say, so it's weird. <laughs> I don't understand that I do that with everything. It's weird, yeah. So, you, uh, it doesn't, you, you, not even concluded. I'll be listening, watching a commercial. I'm like, what is the deal? Why is that that way? I'm Googling it. <laughs> Man. I guess it's good Google's not a charge service. Thank God. Um, so, uh, you got some books to watch, anybody? Tyler oh, Brown? I do, yeah. We talked about, um, uh, oh no, I gotta pull up my article. I'm sorry. Well, you're good. <clears throat> this isn't a, this isn't a book to watch necessarily, but it kind of is. And I want to, I want to give a shout on here because yeah. it's one of the coolest things that's pro- probably going on in like pop culture to me. So the dudes, one of the dudes in the Sofa King podcast, Dave Moten, um, is doing a, uh, fiction podcast called Mindframe. And it's, it's, he's, he, he wrote a trilogy of sci-fi books and then like this is his the the first book of his second trilogy and it's called Mind Frame and but he's doing it as a podcast and like a uh like a basically like a 
audiobook. Like, like, like an audiobook. Radio drama. And it's so, podcast. so, so good. And like, I waited and I waited and I waited to listen to it because I didn't want to be disappointed because I love sci-fi. And, and as far as like sci-fi, fantasy, comic booky things, like, it's called Mindframe and it's free. I got to just like, just listen to the podcast. And, um, he's about, I was about two thirds done. And I, I, I binged the, the, the first big chunk that I like waited on. Yeah. And then like, ever since then, I'm like waiting for the next episode. Like, oh man. It's like, it's so good. That's cool. It, like, like he is such a brilliant writer. And I was like, wow. Like I, and I don't do that. I mean, I love the Sylvie podcast. I've talked about that a million times sure. and stuff like that. But like, this is like a whole nother level. Like, and he's such a good writer and he, he does the, uh, he, yeah, that's exactly it. And he does. I'm going to check that out. He does all the narration himself. And like, uh, Brent, one of the other guys from Sofa King, like, is just like the engineer guy and like record, but, uh, it's fantastic. Like, it's, cool. it's, I, I love sci-fi and it's like, it's, it's on a, it's on a level of Ender's game to me. That's fantastic. Like, awesome. like, I'm just, I'm, I am blown away. And I, I only do this. I, when I, when I, when I say things like this is like, when this book comes out, I will I will buy the I it will it will be one of my rereads. Nice, like for years to come, and it's it's so fantastic. So like, if you're listening to this and you like, what's it called again? Mind frame. Mind frame. Cool. Uh, you can just uh, Google it. Obviously, written by David J. Morton. 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 I'm sorry. Uh, on Spotify, Mind Frame Podcast. That's Mind Frame one word. I'm very excited. Yeah, dude, that sounds it, dude, great, dude. It is so good. It's about this, like, it's it. Don't ruin it for me. And I'm not ruining, it, but it's just like <laughs> it, he he kind of writes it from five different points of view. Is like there's like so there's like each chapter is a different character, and it spreads from like 1950 to 2146 or whatever, like five different people, and like it all kind of intermingle. It's 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 so hard to explain because you know like science sci-fi science fiction is just like one of those things that like it it it. Doesn't make sense, but until it makes sense, right? And like I was, I was blown away. Nice, that's cool. And I wanted it to be successful for him because, like, I love their, like, you know, self King's my jam. But like, I was like, man, I'm I'm out of everything. Screw it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start listening to this all, and I'll suffer through it. And like the first episode, I was like, okay, that was really good. And then like not because like so what started it was like. Over Christmas, like right before Christmas, like he, cause they, they started doing these, um, a couple months, about a month and a half or two before Christmas, like the, they start, mind frame started. Right. But, uh, they're like, man, with, with Dave's ability to narrate, like he needs to do the night or the, um, towards the night before Christmas. Oh, okay. And so they were, they were like there, like a day before, like a day or two before Christmas, like doing a mind frame episode. And he's like, he did. Was night before Christmas, and I listened to it, and I was like, "Wow! Like this is amazing." You that's know? exciting that he's writing and narrating this. Like that's yeah, really cool. Yeah. So then, so then I was just like, I waited and I waited and I waited because I just I I hate and CBS knows this. I hate when things aren't finished. Sure. Because I I've, I've I've like bought a book before. I'm like this book looks cool, and I read it, and I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. And I re- and I'm like, oh, there's a second one, and I read the second one, and I'm like, oh, there's a third one that's not out yet. <laughs> and I just, I just want to stab. That makes me want to stab. So, um, Patrick Rothfuss, you know you're you know who you are. 
George R. R. Martin, you know, mm-hmm. you are. Um, but then like, yeah, like I, I, so I binged it and it was just like, I got through like 30 episodes of this. Yeah, there's thing. like 32 episodes right now. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this thing's fantastic. And I can't stop listening to it. And like the new one came out today and I was like, boom, listen to it. And I was just like, I wanted to crush something because it ends on such a brilliant cliffhanger, and it's like a, it's a, it's like a, like the old school radio dramas. Yeah, it, it makes you. That's what I am excited for. The, it's okay. so good. Yeah, so that's what I am excited for. We talked about earlier about the Batman radio right. drama, J.J. Yeah. Abram thing. When you just said this, I'm like, man, that sounds like something I can get into right away. Like, so good. Yeah, that that I I want that. Uh, just like you said, that old school radio drama. And I'm at work all day. I'm constantly listening to podcasts, including this one, and right. I love. And I do the same thing. So that's yeah. Thing, but I was like, oh, jeez. You and I connected on another, not to get off topic, but Josh and I connected on another podcast recently called So Good. The Friendship Onion. If you have not listened to that podcast, it is uh, Dominic Monahan and I forget his name, Harry, or uh, what's his uh, name? Uh, Dominic Monahan and. Uh Marion Pippin. Marion Pippin from Lost. Uh, from uh, from Lost. <laughs> well, one of them is <laughs> from Lord, Lord of the, of the Rings. Rings. Yeah, it is genuinely the happiest podcast I have ever listened to. Cool. I laugh. They have trivia. They are just genuinely Billy Boy. Billy, that's his name. And they Dominic are, Monaghan. They love each other so. I seriously, they're smiled. like best friends. Yeah, I seriously smiled so much just listening to the podcast. Like this is. Genuinely, just so like, amazing. Like it's great. They talk about some Lord of the Rings stuff. They talk about just adventures friends, they went on. And they talk about like oh, what's a food that you've yep. never tried before. And they're like Twinkies. And like oh, they had oh, they tried they tried Twinkies. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be it's it was the very it's first so episode good. this week. They had a game show with fans, which was really yeah, cool. It'll be a cool up. It'll be a it's cool so podcast because they're like nice. yeah, they're rad dudes. And so. again, super genuine, very very sweet. Uh-huh. Um, books, but back to books. Uh, uh, one that CBS and I just talked about beforehand. Um, IGN has here uh, a book called Lucky Devil. Um, it's coming out August August fourth. Um, it's from Dark Horse. It's from writer Colin Bunn. He's fantastic. Uh, it's yeah. about a botched exorcism, and this character gains um, this demon or this uh, or this entity's powers after it has left um, this person, and it's kind of how he copes with and deals with all this. Um, um, Supernatural powers afterwards, which sure. sounds really cool. So check that out. Heck yeah! Well, it's a miniseries, also, wasn't it? You know, I don't know if this is was a because I don't exorcism know gone wrong. Blah 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 blah. Sublime, terrible, checking. I don't know if it says. It might have been the horror comedy. Because it's Dark Horse, generally that's what they do. Okay. Maybe I confused that with the one I'm about to mention, because it is a miniseries. Check that one out. Again, August 4th. Super excited. Lucky Devil. Lucky Devil. Um, so from Image Comics, uh, we've got another one coming out from uh, Jorge Corona doing the art on it, and Scotty Young doing the writing on it. So the same team that did Middle West. Fantastic breed. Great book. Art is awesome. Like, Scotty Young's a really cool artist, too. And as far as like the style that Jorge... The two of them have a similar style when it comes to this particular batch of stuff. Uh, but the two of them are teaming up for a book called The Me You Love in the Dark, which is a romance horror story. Horror like scary. Because I say that wrong sometimes when I pronounce no, it. No, you're good. Uh, it is a five-part miniseries, so it's not a, it's not a super long story by any means, but, uh, so it's about an artist, uh, named Ro, 
who uh, finds the grind of the city and moves to leaves the grind of the city to live in a small house and uh, finds that her inspiration, the muse, uh, is not what she expects it to be. They just started talking about it maybe last week, maybe. I guess it's an idea they had during Middle West. And so now we're, the two of them are teaming up again to make this particular book. So That kind of reminds me of a Lovecraftian kind of thing. It does sound very yes. Lovecraftian, whatever. Yes. Right? Yeah. The little, the little couple sentences yeah. that about it, it does sound okay. very Lovecraftian. Okay. But uh, as far as the thing, if you like Middle West, then you know where you know these two guys. Jorge's actually been on the show. Uh, he, he's awesome. Um, other books he's done, he did uh, We Are Robin. He did a lot of interior art for that. Uh, but Middle West would be like the biggest jam. And the art, at least, that we've seen so far for this book... It seems to fit in the same vein as Middle West, so I think that'll be cool. That also was a really great story, so um, that's all I got for you this week, really. I mean, as far as books are concerned. Uh, we know that Predator's coming to Marvel, supposedly in November, so I guess we'll see how that goes. Did you ever get the... So this book I stumbled upon, and I want to read it, hmm. and I'd like to read it. I don't know, I, and I assume it's a miniseries, it doesn't say, um, but The Butcher of Paris... By Dark Horse, it's a, it's a, it's a based on a real, it's a, a real serial killer in 1944, like Nazi Germany, like history, like it's not one I've heard of. Comic book, yeah. but like I, I saw it the other day, like, and I wanted to, I was like, oh, it sounds, something might be super into, so I was like curious. I don't know if you'd seen it, but like, I don't know. S- Stephanie Phillips writing it, right? So I mean, that that looks really good to me. Anyway, I was just, you know, just curious. If, I have not seen this in the catalogs as of yet, so I'm guessing it must be something coming down. A few episodes ago, we did like that history one with like the oh yeah, the Russian uh, White Lily, yeah. uh, which that guy issue three has come out of it. Um, it is going to be a five part miniseries. We know that now. Uh, Preston Poulter's the guy that writes that. Um, it's coming out from Red Five Comics. Uh, initially, he was putting it out himself, so you can still go to like PocketJacks.com's website right. and get. Uh, uh, there's actually like a lot of different variant covers he did through his own website for it. Uh, but Preston's been on the show too. So, as far as the thing that dude does a lot of conventions, uh, he's got a few other books too that are that are pretty that are pretty interesting. So we'll see if any of the other stuff comes out. But yeah, like White Lily issue one, great uh, issue. I actually read two and part of three yesterday. So nice, still good. I mean, ultimately the only thing that really changed between two and three, the artist that did the first two issues wound up passing away. During the finishing of issue two, oh, so geez. we do have an art change in issue three. Mm-hmm. But there's a really cool, like the last page in issue two is like a whole thing about um, the artist from the book. So it's like a tribute kind of page, which is really cool. Uh, it's sad. I mean, guys, good, was good artist, but yeah, it was kind of sudden, I guess, from what little bit it gives you because it gives you like pictures of him and like talks about his life. That's so, so it's really cool that they put it in the book to, and it's even in the Red Five book. Uh, so I think that's really cool. A Red Five's release of White Lily. Anyhow, um, yeah, that's another one to check too. White Lily, if you haven't, uh, you can go back up episodes and hear some more about that because we need to review issue one. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, so. Flea. Oh, I got. Yeah, Mister uh, Brown, your uh, Instagram. Oh, because I'm a killer. K a z a m a k i l l e r. And people want to play games with you. The game. You can play games with me. Yeah, come play some. Uh, right now, I'm playing Resident Evil uh, Eight, which is 
Man, the werewolves in that are so cool. And that lady with her crazy claws. Oh, yeah, she's it's, crazy. Yeah. She's like nine feet tall. I, I, I always, it's I've, so I've weird. seen her very little bit of it. My buddy Ross, who's also been on the show as well, was playing it the other night, and I thought, this doesn't look like Resident Evil at all. Oh, like, it's not. It's, but it's really cool. It's totally more action, not like super scary. Right. It is so much fun. I'm loving it. I'm only about three hours in, but man, is it cool. Nice. Uh, 45, Instagram. What? Instagram, Josh. Yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> You're just the worst. Wendell24. I know truth. it. I know it. Man. Uh, you can find my drawings and stuff at Top or top 5 Comic CBS for art drawings. Oh, yeah. What's the one with the swords? Uh, oh, it's just like a pirate lady. It was so well done. But yeah, that one's in there. My favorite. One of the newest ones. Well done. Uh, also, pictures from conventions, which we're hoping those are going to start again, maybe uh, August-ish. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I guess that was it. Uh, Taki? No. Uh, the worst. And he doesn't know what that means, so like you, you got to give him a chance at least. Oh, no, I know about it. I recall. All right, from Kamen Rider? Yep. When the bad guys say or do anything uh, or die? Yeah. And every time Josh goes, no. Right. <laughs> You'll have to show you some Kamen Rider. Yeah. He knows. I, I know what Kamen Rider is. No, he told me. About I was it. talking about him. Oh. I mean, you're aware because I've forced you to see pieces. Exactly. I don't think you've ever actually watched the I have show, not watched though. it. No, I know 100% what Kamen Rider is. Well, that's where the tiki comes from. Right. We know. We know. And that's why I say no. Come on, man. Until you give me that white ranger out of the closet, I'm not saying it. No, I'll find it. Oh,